0: from their world headquarters in texas it's the arcade repair tips live
1: show the show that discusses arcade repair restoration news and more now here are your hosts tim and jonathan
0: hello and welcome to episode 36 of the arcade repair tips live show for february 2020 tim it's still weird Mm -hmm. to say i know we're still we're a month in we're past a month now but it's still weird for me to say 2020, but here we are, February 2020, and we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. My name is Jonathan Liang. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing?
1: I'm okay. You know, typical uh, Texas, uh, burning hot, wearing shorts the other day, and freezing cold might get snow today. So. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, what, what's that uh, meme? It's like uh, Texas weather throws out... Uh, uh, temperatures like powerball numbers, right? Oh, yeah. That's basically <laughs> what it is here. You never know no. what you're going to get from day to day, but we hope it's pleasant wherever you are. And if you are joining us in the live chat tonight, be sure that you, uh, you know, give your comments, your questions throughout, throughout the show there, and we will try to get to them when we can. But Tim, how are things going?
1: It's good. We um, just a busy time of year. Lots going on. Um, you might remember last year we had a pizza eating contest. Yes. And I kind of had forgotten about it because it was during grand opening. Well, the winners um, called me the other day, and they were like, Hey, are we going to have it again? We're ready to defend our title. <laughs> and uh, they own a gym here, and another gym said, We'll take you on. So in about two weeks' time, I put together the second annual pizza eating contest, which will be Sunday, and it's now also National Pizza Day. Well, there you go. So perfect day. So... I have really worked uh, a lot the last few days trying to get ready for this contest.
0: And obviously, I mean, it seems like this is the, the time of year where things are starting to probably pick up a little bit. I, I know after the holidays, it seems like restaurants may be a little bit slower because people still have food from uh, from Christmas, New Year's, things like that. But it seems like this is probably getting close to where business is starting to pick up a little bit more. Yeah, especially, like
1: especially on the weekends. And then the weather's helped a lot, too, because there's not a lot you could do outside or you would want to do outside. It's been rainy and cold and... Just kind of nasty weather lately.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that I think that does help bring people inside, definitely, when we have a little bit nastier weather. Well, thanks for giving us the Mr. Gaddy's update, Tim. Now, we do have something we're going to be talking about later in the show involving a Gaddy Land. Yeah, Here in a bit, just as a teaser. And so we'll get to that whenever we get to the discussion portion of the show, Tim. But uh, I was just wondering if you're able to make contact with this particular Gaddy Land. I tried, and it rang about. and
1: rang, and I don't know if they'd come in later or what, but I weren't able to get in contact with them. But I still would like to, even though I couldn't. I'm going to try to find some emails or something I could send somebody. Just to see if they'd be interested in talking about it.
0: Sounds good. Well, we'll give you guys more of an update later in the show on that, so make sure you stay tuned to the discussion portion of the show later on in later on in this episode. So, Tim, we have a couple of people finally in the uh, live mm-hmm. chat tonight. It seems like it was a little slow to go in there, but we got YouTube Punk. He says, howdy, howdy. Hello. we got uh, Danny Ransom. Nice to see you guys again. Nice to see you again, Danny. Wasteland Warrior. Hello from Indiana, Tim. Okay. So we have some Indiana viewers out there uh mr Silverball mania hello from the buckeye state so okay. there we go and josh b indiana here too so well, there you we, go.
1: we won't complain anymore about being cold i'm sure it's much colder <laughs> where you are or you guys are used to it that is
0: the one thing here tim is typically it doesn't get too far below freezing right, right. We, i mean we may hit the high 20s sometimes most of the time it's pretty warm here uh tim i prefer the warmer climate personally yeah because you don't have to shovel heat that's what right. i like to say so it's just you know for those of you who are shoveling snow though Good luck with it. Hopefully you can get all out of your driveway and get your car out there and all the good stuff. So... Well, Tim, I think we've kind of covered all the bases as far as like our live chat and everything uh, is concerned. So let's go ahead and move on to some of the updates that we have from the previous show. So, Tim, uh, obviously, whenever we answer questions here on the show, sometimes people are nice enough to write back and give us an update on their issues. And, Tim, this first one that we have is from Andy. I don't know if you remember Andy's issue, but he had a Frogger that was having some major color issues. Yeah, it was like
1: last month, wasn't it? It was. It was just, it was just last update. month. That
0: is correct. So um, we do have a follow-up here from Andy. He says, thank you so very much. I got a degassing coil this weekend and tried it out. The link from Fry's was a model that was sold out at all of their stores and online as well. I did find one on eBay for about the same price. Watched your helpful video and it worked like a charm. The cars have color again and the green is consistent. Here are two pictures on my new screen and the old monitor picture at the bottom. Thank you so very much. Now to try to tackle a black knight that I got at the same time as the Frogger Andy in Georgia. So Tim, here's the, um, the oh, one wow. on the far yeah. left there is the original picture that he sent us at, before we recommended the degassing coil. And Tim, the middle and last pictures are what happened after he used the degassing coil. Isn't awesome. that amazing? I mean, so it's always good to get an update like this, Tim, where we get to hear that somebody did fix their game based on the advice that we gave. Now he did mention that the fries, uh, the fries link that we gave is totally out of stock. Tim, I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like fries has been losing a lot of stock, if that's a way to say it. Um, A lot of people are speculating that they could be going out of business, although they have not officially announced that. Do you have any thoughts about that? I know we're Big Fries. I know the last
1: time I went in one, I was really shocked at um, they still had a pretty big electronic section, but just in general, how down it was, and it, it made me wonder. I'm like, wow, usually fries was... But that's where you bought like a lot of movies and DVDs and stuff, and you don't buy that stuff much anymore at the store. Sure. So... Um, maybe a sign of our times. I hope that they're not going out. Maybe they can restructure. It's almost like Fry's, to me, is too big a store.
0: Yeah. And if, I think you're right. I mean, for just electronic electronics store... If they
1: built it smaller, like a Dollar General size, and just put the stuff like electronics and stuff in there, and maybe... I mean, a few things. I think it would be fine, but it's got to be expensive to heat and cool and pay rent on that place. Well, you
0: got to remember, I mean, they don't want to become Best Buy. I think the whole appeal of Fry's was that you could get anything there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the last time I was in a Fry's was January of last year. We bought my wife's phone at a Fry's. Okay. And when I went. Some of the aisles were bare, but it wasn't, like, empty-empty, I would say, yet. But some of the pictures we've seen online, Tim, show completely yeah, like, empty stores on Right. Which is, like I says, leading to a lot of speculation. Fry's has not said that they're closing, but there's obviously something going on, Tim, for them to be doing what they're doing. So, not to get too far off not. the arcade mm-hmm. topic, but, Tim, we know a lot of the people, a lot of our viewers out there may have a Fry's Electronics near them, and if you do, they usually carry a good selection of electronic parts that Radio Shack used to carry right so if you're in a pinch and you need something really quick maybe a capacitor a transistor resistor a lot of times the most common electronic components fries will carry which is nice but unfortunately, nowadays, like we mentioned, Tim, the shelves are looking pretty bare. So we do want to wish Fries the best of luck if they're trying to get back on their feet. Uh, hopefully, they don't close down, Tim. It seems like we keep getting news of retailers that are closing down, and it depresses me every time. Yes. So hopefully, they're not closing down for good. But hopefully, they're doing some maybe restructuring or something like that, restocking in a way, and can get back on their feet soon. So anyway, if you guys have a Fries ne- next to you somewhere, please let us know uh, how it looks at your place. Uh, we'd love to you know, just find out. So... Uh, tim we have mr Dwayne 79 here he says hello hey Dwayne. and then we have youtube punk who gave 15 dollars wow. and he's out you you, you pay and then <laughs> leave that's fine we understand everybody can't sit, sit uh, stay around for the shows we all have bu- busy lives but here's the deal we appreciate every donation especially from you know our regular viewers like youtube punk thank you so much youtube punk for donating and remember that you can also donate by using the super chat link below that little dollar sign tim Right there by the little uh, emoji sign. Okay. Uh, that's the one. If you hit that, you can make a donation to us. Or you can go to com slash donate. Right. Uh, we mentioned last time that you can do a PayPal donation for those of you guys who uh, don't like the YouTube creator split, which we're fine with. But uh, if you'd rather do it with PayPal, we have that as well at com slash donate. All donations are greatly appreciated. We thank you guys so much for your support and uh, he says he's going to catch the replay, and he's always asking about a new video, Tim. (laughs) I wish I could get around to editing videos. We've got some editing. Oh, we have tons recorded, exactly. If I could just get around to editing them, it would be great. One of these years, months, decades, I don't (laughs) know, we'll get one around. Sorry, YouTube Punk. Hopefully at some point we can get a new one out for you, so... Okay, Tim. Let us move on to another update, and this one's for uh, from Greg, the Rexer Show. You guys right remember, yes. and he was looking for a way to extend the joystick on his uh, custom Galaga Miss Pac Man Captain. Right. And so, what we mentioned was getting an extension, uh-huh. so a shaft extension, Tim, and that's what he ended up doing. So he got a extension shaft and a large ball top from FocusAttack.com. He has a, he has a small ball, but he likes the bigger ball better. It and looks really good on there. It really does, and I think that the. Um, I really think the bigger the ball on the top really helps you control it better. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you have the smaller ball on top, you tend to maybe lose your grip of it a little bit more. So from a player standpoint, Tim, I do like having a big ball top joystick on, on the t- or the big ball on top of the joystick. That way we can easily control the movements and everything like that. So, but it looks really great. It looks and I don't know how close it was. He didn't really give us a before photo mm-hmm. of how it looked with uh, how close it was to the control panel. But looking at this picture here, Tim, it looks just about perfect. I don't think you could ask for anything better than that. So um, thanks for the update there, Greg. And you guys should check out his uh, his YouTube channel, or therexershow or Show on YouTube. Here he's got uh, some great videos there, Tim, especially of that build in particular. If you haven't seen his uh, custom Miss Pac Man Galaga build, it's really nice looking. So, okay, Tim, a YouTube punk says uh, forgot to do a PayPal style next month. No trouble, mm-hmm. you know. we're like I said, we don't care how it comes in, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter to us, but we do appreciate every single every single donation we get. Right. We, appreciate. we you, appreciate everybody who's just here. You don't have to donate. If you're right. just even here, we appreciate you. You could so. send
1: a bag of nickels and we'd be okay with That's it. right. <laughs> exactly. I go to Coinstar and cash in. <laughs>
0: That's right. Exactly. You're going to get you like an Amazon gift card yeah. or something. Can't get charged that fee, too. I'm <laughs> just saying, get in the gift right. card. Be smart. But, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've been to the Coinstar. <laughs> Me, too. So now. Off topic, you were looking at being a technician for Coinstar one time, right? Yes. Yeah, you actually applied for a job.
1: Yeah, and I think about that time, they they must have downsized and started taking them out of a lot of locations. At one time, they were in every bank and superstore, grocery store, and so I think that was kind of their idea was that they uh, were going to uh, downsize a little bit, and so... The current technicians they had, they thought could cover everything. Now here's the
0: deal, though, Tim. I do still see them around. There's mm-hmm. one at a Walmart here in town that I've passed by fairly frequently because I go to the pickup there, mm-hmm. and so when I pass a, when I go to the pickup, I pass right by a Coinstar machine. But um, they are still very popular. Apparently, it is a coin-operated machine in a way. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. But uh, yeah, co- hey, even Coinstar machines need technicians. Right. So there you go. That's a sorter. It, that could be your job right there, Coinstar technician. So yeah. I just wanted to take my coins. That's all I wanted to do. Sometimes it kicks back coin i think are good just saying so yeah i don't know what the uh i don't know what like you know the mechanism is i assume it's like a little slot spinner or something Mm -hmm. like that kind of like what you have with a a token counter yeah what else you know but uh, anyway haven't actually opened up a coin star machine for those of you guys who have let us know Mm so there you go uh tim we're kind of it looks like we're caught up with the live chat so let's continue on with the questions for this month and the first one we have here is from jeff Good day. I was wondering how hard it is to replace the power source for a Lethal Enforcer's arcade game. Also, is this a part you carry that I could purchase? Thank you so much, Jeff. Well, Tim, I can obviously answer the second part of this question pretty easily. We do not stock parts except right. for the parts that we need. We do not sell parts We are not a retailer. But if you are looking for a retailer, you can go to arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. There is an Arcade Parts Supplier heading on that page that you can look at, and it has a whole list of people that we recommend. To supply you with power supplies, buttons, joysticks, whatever else you're looking for. Right. So, um, but Tim, how hard is it to replace a power supply in a lethal enforcers? That's um, the question.
1: It's not very hard at all. In fact, I would say it's probably a 15 to 30-minute job tops. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of depends. Uh, lethal Enforcers is right in that era where a lot of them were switching from a linear or switcher uh, type uh, like we see or we recommend a lot to maybe an ATX style But all you really have to do is find out where your pinouts are and uh, which pin wire goes to what on your power supply. If you're not sure, you can take a voltage meter and actually check on. But usually red is your 5 volts, yellow or orange is your 12 volts, and then you'll also probably have a negative 5, and then blacks are your grounds and so forth. So it really is not very hard at all. In fact, um, there's probably one in there, and if you... Uh, talk to Hap Controls or go to their site. You tell them what that one is. A lot of times, they can find you a plug-and-play replacement, which really makes it easy. You could do it in five minutes or less. Then,
0: sure. And if you can get the part number off the original power supply, you can match that Hap part number with a different supplier. Uh, Tim, there's nothing against Hap, but if you're only ordering one power supply from Hap, it's very expensive. Right. Whereas you're better off going through one of their distributors for the most. I part, believe if you're that's just right. buying one. So yeah,
1: a lot of their distributors, even a lot of people on our page will sell you one cheaper than they will, especially with shipping.
0: Exactly. So, uh, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the slide real quick. So, replacing a power supply in most 90s-era arcade games is typically a pretty easy task. Tim mentioned 30 minutes to an hour tops, and that's probably about right. Most games built during this time, use either a standard switching power supply or an ATX-style power supply. Standard switching power supplies use the screw-down terminals that we're so familiar with, Tim. You just basically unscrew, you take off the terminal, you, or you put a new one on, you screw it on the new power supply, whatever. Um, while ATX-style power supplies use connectors to hook up power to the cabinet. So start off by opening up your cabinet and determine what power supply is currently installed, like Tim mentioned. See if you can get a model number off of it. If it's an ATX-style, it probably will have that model number on it, which is really nice. If it's a standard switching power supply those are pretty interchangeable you don't really need to get the model number off you just need to order a standard switching power supply yeah, i think insurance. i said
1: linear i didn't really mean like the old school linear i meant more of like a um kind of like what looks like a router
0: yeah <laughs> maybe
1: <laughs> best way i try to think what are new people that aren't really into arcade games like obviously this guy's question right uh kind of looks like a, a router in there and that's a, if you have that style, then whatever style you have is a style, I would replace just to save time. Yeah. So a standard
0: switching power supply, like I said, has the screw down terminals. So when you look at it, you're going to see a whole row of screws and each screw will correspond with a different voltage. So you'll know real quick whether or not it's a standard switching power supply or whether it's an ATX style, just based on whether or not you see this line of screws or you see connectors instead. Tim, this picture that we're seeing here is actually the inside of a Lethal Enforcers 2. And you'll notice that it has an ATX style power supply inside side of it okay and so it is it is possible that your lethal enforcers has an atx style power supply in it tim in a lot of gun games it seems like we see more atx style power supplies than we see standard switching power supplies um think about area 51 for instance Mm -hmm. is a great example so if you do have an atx style just get the model number off of it and you should be able to you know do a search for that find it if you're looking for uh replacement or if you're looking for a particular vendor make sure you check out our resources page at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources tim we can mention a couple that we recommend we do like arcade shop we like twisted quarter uh
1: mm-hmm. who
0: are some other part suppliers that we recommend um uh, obviously hollandcomputers.com is what yes. we recommend a lot um twisted quarter though and arcade shop are going to carry a lot of hat parts so if you're looking for a particular replacement uh one of those would probably be a good way to go yeah so jeff hopefully that answers your question and good luck replacing the power supply in your lethal enforcers arcade cabinet Okay, Tim, let's see what we got here. We got John next. You ready for this one? Sure. Okay, let's answer John's question. I have a 60-in-1 table arcade game, and when I start up, it goes into power save mode, and then it does nothing. Any advice would be helpful. Thanks, John. So, Tim, we've seen this a lot with 60-in-1 tables, where basically the screen will just say power save mode, or it'll show that for maybe like five or ten seconds and shut off or whatever the case may be. So when we're seeing this power save mode on the monitor, what's really happening behind the scenes? Well,
1: what's happening is it's really the monitor's not giving a signal. In fact, it'll probably go blank or shut off after a, a short time. Uh, so the monitor's not getting the signal, which could be several things. It could be just a dip switch or something on the, the game board setting. So he needs to make sure that it matches. For instance, does he have a computer style monitor? Or you know if it's a different style monitor, what it needs to match his settings, uh, then also it could just be wired wrong or something. So that's what he needs to check. He needs to figure out what his board requires. Of course, if it's a sixty and one, you can do both. You can have both the. You can do a
0: CGA or a VGA. Right, correct? CGA
1: or VGA, and so if you want, uh, it depends on how you have it wired up. Do you want to do a VGA? Would definitely be the easiest. Sure. And if it's newer monitor, then hopefully it has a VGA cord. But if it's not, you want to wire it CGA. There's instructions are even in the book, I think, that tell you a little bit about that. Uh, but we've also shot plenty of videos on that that he could watch.
0: So now here's the deal, Tim. Like, let's say we check all the connections between the board and the monitor and everything checks out good, but we're still getting this power save mode issue. What do you think's going on at that point?
1: Well, then you've ha- you got either a monitor issue, which it could be in the settings of his monitor. It, a lot of times you notice that everybody, when you go to turn on your TV, now you have a bunch of choices, right? Right. Uh, maybe it's on an HDMI port, or maybe it's on the wrong input. Sure. And that will cause that issue. Or he has a problem with his main board that's not sending out the video output one way to check that would be to hook, if it's hooked up, CGAs to hook up a VGA like a computer monitor or your laptop or something that you could check that with to see if it's coming on that screen. That would eliminate if it is a bad monitor or his board is okay sounds
0: good so let me go ahead and put up the slide here for John and Sam I just took a picture from a Dell 24 inch that says entering power save mode seems like I see this a lot when a monitor goes in the power save mode like Tim mentioned it usually means it's not getting a signal from the board this can be due to the video settings on the board being changed power supply not saying the correct voltage to the board issues with the board among other things so start off by checking that the video settings on the board are set correctly the monitor is connected properly and the power supply is putting out the correct voltage to the board if all that checks out out, then you probably are. You're probably having a board issue, and will need to replace Tim. You got to remember these 61 boards are about mm-hmm. are manufactured about the cheapest way you could possibly right. manufacture a board, and we have seen several 61 boards go out. Now the nice thing about 61 boards is that they are manufactured cheap. mm-hmm. cheaply, which means that they are cheap to purchase. So if you need to replace it, it is cheap. But like Tim mentioned, you really want to make sure. That you've got all your ducks in a row before you really suspect the board is the problem. So make sure that you've got all your connection stuff kind of resolved. Make sure you've got it in the right mode. So if you've got the VGA hooked up to the board, make sure you have the VGA set on the dip switch settings on the board. <clears throat> if, uh, you know, make sure the cabling between the board and the monitor is good. All that kind of stuff. And if you're still having trouble, then check the power supply. And if the power supply is good, you may have a board issue. So kind of the whole troubleshooting. Yeah. Uh, the whole well, coaching steps. If you can kind of
1: think way. of it this way: if I go buy a TV at Walmart and I just set it on the table and plug it in, right? If I have no cable running to it, I have no Roku, no Fire Stick, nothing. Right. I just plugged it in, it's just going to come on. It may say exactly the same thing because it has no video going to it. That's your problem. More than likely. But you did mention something in the notes, Jonathan, that caught my attention. If he's having a power supply issue down in the game, his board, you know, we would always ask, is the game playing blind? Sure. Because if the game is playing blind, then you know it's just a connection issue. Right. You can hear it and everything. But sometimes, like you're saying, maybe the board's not getting power to push the video. Exactly. But the monitor's plugged in. So, same thing. It would be just the same as putting it on a on the table without anything going to it. So, you got to make sure your power is correct. Got to make sure your video wires hookup is correct.
0: Sounds good. So, John, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck getting your sixty and one back up and running. Please keep us updated as well. Okay, we just got something in the live chat here. Tim from Mister Silverball Mania, can you uh, sometime explain the RGB with ground and sync and how they work? So obviously Tim this is how you wire up like a CGA or a standard right. arcade monitor. Um obviously all of all monitors are a little bit different as far as how they're set up with that, but I mean, you know Tim RGB, red, green, green and blue. blue, then we have our ground wire, then we have our sink wire. Okay, so all you have to really do when you wire it up is make sure that where the wiring that's coming from the pinouts of your board matches wherever the corresponding spots are on your monitor chest, right? right?
1: Thankfully, red is usually red. Right. You know, green and blue are usually, and ground or something will usually be black. Usually, the white wire is your sync wire, and... You can't really mess it up. It's like you can hook it up; it just won't look right. It's not—it's right. no power wires there. They're not going to send power through your through your system or something. I'm sure it's not good to hook it up wrong, but I don't know that it's ever damaged anything that we're aware of. Um, it could could, but then again, it's not that hard. So on the sink, you sometimes have to guess: is it uh, composite sink? Is it horizontal? Is it vertical? Positive, right? Negative. Positive or negative sink? Uh, and that's probably a little bit more than discussion here. But if you research that about sync issues, go to Bob Roberts. He has a very good tutorial I page I think we may be talking that. about
0: that later in, in one of the questions. But you're exactly right, Tim. I mean, hooking that up is very important, making sure you get that right. I'm with you, though. I don't think it necessarily hurts anything to hook it up wrong. No. But you will find that there's a lot of monitors, Tim, uh, that take um, that may take composite sync, or you may have composite sync coming from your game, but you may have horizontal and vertical on your actual chassis, and so you have so, to split that. Yeah, sync, what no, you got to think, think about
1: is what kind of game is it? Like Pac-Man is a vertical game. Right. So it's going to have different types of sync than, say, a horizontal game. Right. So that's, that's one way to look at it. What am I trying to do? Am I going with vertical or am I going horizontal? That might help you narrow it down a little bit. Now, a lot of uh, your game modes, uh, your game manuals and stuff like that will tell you what kind of sync output it has. Right. So, not only do you have to know the monitor and what sync it needs, you have to know what kind of sync your board requires and then how to make the two connect. Exactly. So, just because you could switch Game boards and it not work with another board. Right. Or, or switch monitors and it not work with that monitor the first try. So, anyway, I hope that if you really go to Bob Roberts' page, we'll talk about that again later. Yeah, I think uh, we have
0: it. I'm going to look through the outline real quick. While I think
1: it uh, will really help you because it kind of goes into some details and with some pictures. And we also talk a little bit about it. The real Bob Roberts dot net slash sync
0: dot html. That'll give you the most common configurations for uh, the older school monitors so like 4600s 4900s k7000s Go 7s um, it has the pinouts for all of them tim so if you go to the realbobroberts.net slash sync you'll get a lot of information on the sync but hooking up the sync is really the trickiest part of hooking up a cga style monitor or a standard
1: and once record. you've done it several times it's real easy because right. like I said most of the time the red wire is going to go then the other one you're just kind of I mean I usually just strip the end and put it in the pins and no no oh there it is right and that's the one I'm going to put it in or oh it's not working on any of them well I might combine the two and uh, just hook it up that way oh well that works so yeah.
0: now it's important to note that most of the game's produced after the 90s or after a composite sync, which means that they have the horizontal and vertical tied together, together basically. Right. So if your monitor does not have a composite sync input, then you may have to split them, depending, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but there's all that kind of stuff that you have to kind of keep in mind when you're doing it, but that article from Bob Roberts, Tim, goes over a lot of that, and will help you out tremendously. we got a
1: slide know. coming up in a little bit that'll show that link, too, yeah. if you want to get ready to write that down. Yeah, exactly, so...
0: Um, okay, we got another question from Anthony. What would cause the image to appear squashed or look like it's curving at the edge of the tube? So if it appears squashed or curving at the edge of the tube. That's then-
1: usually a capacitor issue where it's starting to fail. Right. Um, it also could be a sink issue, especially if it's a G07. Uh, there's what they call the curl right. that kind of ha- has a fold-over look. But a lot of times, those are capacitors that cause that, and a cap kit would fix that. And,
0: and you know, a cap kit does fix that a lot of times, Tim, in my, uh, in my experience. But you can also... I mean, vertical IC can also cause that. Yes, I mean, when if it vertical, starts
1: in the middle, or it's the whole thing starts squishing. Exactly.
0: So you may... It, something in the vertical section, for sure. But it could... It, it really depends on how it's squishing, too. I mean, when I say... Most of the time I say vertical because it seems like that's the most common that we see. And so a lot of times it's something in the vertical section. Tim mentioned capacitors could definitely be capacitors, but it could also be a failure of the vertical IC itself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have a lot of that in there. If you check out our video on uh, troubleshooting monitor collapse issues, uh, it goes over a lot of different um, things that could cause kind of a squish monitor. Michael, of course, mm-hmm. uh, is in that video and kind of talks about a lot of that stuff. So if you're interested in that. But Tim's right. A cap kit fixes this in a lot of instances. Uh, I have at least two monitors in here, Tim, that were doing the exact same thing that I installed a cap kit on and it got it working. So, I mean, just to give you an idea. So uh, a lot of times if you have that squish. Now the curl a lot of times could be a hold or sink issue. And so make sure you have your sink hooked up right, kind of like what we were talking about. Make sure you adjust your hold, try your hold a little bit um make sure your b plus voltage is dialed in tim because sometimes mm-hmm. if your b plus is off you, it'll do weird things to your picture like make it curl a little mm-hmm. bit and so make sure that it is what's supposed to be on your monitor chassis but um other than that i mean like tim mentioned if it's g07 um there's a sync mod that you can do that can take the curl out that'll help you with that so okay um mr silver Bomb Mania, a little update i took a sony 27 inch home uh Home TV, found the chip for the RGB input sync and ground on the board, but it has a double image and messed up colors. So, um, double image and messed up colors, Tim, on this TV. So, um, a lot of times that's due yes. to a sync issue. Right. So, like, if we see a double a double image, a lot of times it's, it's getting a different sync signal than what it expects. Well,
1: it's, it's a frequency issue. Right. And so... Sync yeah what you would need to do is buy a converter probably to get it to work right
0: depending now he said he he um let's see what he said he found it he found the chip for the rgb input sync and ground on the board but it had double image and messed up colors yeah that that is a good question obviously tim and maybe there's maybe something with that chip that's going on And a lot of times when we get double image him, I mean the first thing that comes to mind is like sending the wrong signal, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is expecting, you know, fifteen kilohertz or saying at twenty five, something like that. Like when we get this double image. Um, but it could also be that the sync that it's out of sync. Could be. Um, so if it's getting the double image though, I mean Tim, I kind of hate to be like Michael on this, but, like, may want to take the the um, board out of that TV and check all the solder joints real quick. Yeah. I mean, that... And just, just to see if there's anything cracked or cold, because there could be something in there that's kind of uh, causing the sink to be a little messed up or something like that. Um, could be failure parts, though. Hard to tell, really, without, like, being familiar with the board, I guess. So, but, um, you know, it, it, uh, if I think of anything else, or if we could find more information about the TV, we may be able to pinpoint it. So, um, and that... Tim probably and it may some, never work. Exactly, but it's probably. Just a TV. I was about to say, but probably also a good question for Michael as well. So I mean, yeah. may hold on to and and refer you to him on. So he said, um, "He says, thanks, you guys. Keep up the good work." So there you go. That was from Mister Silverball Mania. Bruce says, "How do I diagnose the sound problem? Speakers and amps seem to be working. It is on my um, S- uh, SCI special criminal investigation machine." Uh, so Bruce, we have a video on troubleshooting sound issues right? or audio issues, something like that. Troubleshooting audio issues that you need to check out has a whole lot of things that you can do to check. Um, you know,
1: if a lot of times, let me, we'll go simple. A lot of times there's hidden volume pots on your board. Sure. I've had a lot of games when I work for Chuck E. Cheese and I'm adjusting the volume, trying this, and then it ended up being uh, on the board, a little bitty dial or something, Sometimes so check your manual and see what it says about and some of it is software where you actually go into the settings right and adjust like on your 60 and one board exactly. you can go in and adjust the volume like that so, um, I'm not familiar too familiar with that game. It sounds newer.
0: Um, it's not too new. I'm trying to think of how old that is. I've seen them before. You, you've seen it, too. If you if I showed you the cabinet, you'd know it. know it. I'll probably know it. I think it's a police-style driving game, if I remember correctly. So, like I said, if you saw the cabinet, you'd So,
1: 2000s it. and up, though.
0: No, probably
1: earlier than that. Earlier? Okay. Earlier than
0: that. Um, and I wish I could think of it off the top of my head, but I don't think we've ever owned one. Yeah, but, um, yeah, and like I said, go through the video because we do cover a lot of things that can go wrong with sound on troubleshooting sound issues so that has. A lot I of think we
1: try just about everything that could possibly go wrong with sound, right? Uh, I guess there's always something <laughs> strange, but um, but I do start simply though. Where is the volume pot? Is it down in the bottom? Also, look on your board and make sure, and also go into the settings and make sure there's not an adjustment in there.
0: And we talked about this too, Tim, where um, capacitors on your main board are usually a good way to identify where the audio amp is on mm-hmm. your on your board, and so uh, you may look for that. If you trace back where the audio pins are on your on the actual edge connector back through the board, you can find where the audio section is, and you can kind of look in that section to see if yeah. there's anything that may we be We used dangerous. to
1: have uh ski ball games that Chuck E. Cheese's sound would go out in them all the time, and it was one little capacitor right near the heat sink. Gotcha. And... You know, I, you, I would try everything. And then finally, you know, a guy at Skiball says, I'd send them in, you know, he'd charge me $200, they'd send it back, it worked great. I'm like, Finally, I'm like, what did you do? He goes, oh, there's a capacitor right there, you know, <laughs> a 50-cent uh, capacitor, you know, and they're charging me $200, but... Anyway, um, they got to make money. Yeah, they <laughs> they made a lot off of me in my earlier years. So. Exactly. So I mean,
0: you know, it's one of those things, though, Tim. It's you know, you may just ha- you may have to fiddle with it a little bit. Um, if you know, if you have a separate sound amp, Tim, you can hook a different source up to it if you really want to. If you have like an a- actual like external sound, yeah. Amp.
1: A lot of newer games now, we will hook up a set of headphones and right. listen to it, like the sixty and one and stuff like that. You can actually hook up and hear. Mm-hmm. You know what, what's going on. But uh, if you will watch that video, I think that will will help you a lot because we show how to test and how to do a lot of things to the uh, how to test the pot. You to mentioned test
0: that too. A failure of a volume pot is a possibility as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: very very possible, but it's easy to check with a meter.
0: Sounds good. So Bruce, hopefully, answers your question. Good luck getting the audio working on your SCI Special Criminal Investigation
1: Unit. I got to look up that game now. That's yeah, there cool. you go.
0: Here, you got your phone. <laughs> yeah. I want to read the question.
1: You can look it up while I got the question. SCI. Okay. SCI, Special
0: Criminal Investigation. I'm, I'm telling you, you know Okay. It. But anyway, let me read this question from Phil while Tim looks up this game. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, I am new at this, but I have one question. I'd like to take a jamming cabinet that has two light guns, but modify it to switch out to two joysticks and buttons while keeping some classic originality. Is that possible? I'm worried about buttons and configuration issues. Thanks. So Tim, we have um, we have Phil here. I'll give you a minute more, and while I do a little summary here, while you're looking that up. But Phil basically has a um, a, a jamming cabinet that's a light gun game. So it's something like a Mabel lethal enforcers. Okay, do you recognize it now? Yeah, okay,
1: uh, yeah, I recognize it. it looks okay. like speed racer on top. I remember it now.
0: Okay, there you go. Anyway, getting past that now to <laughs> Phil's question. So, he has a light gun cabinet, but he's wondering, can I take that light gun cabinet and modify it, add some joysticks and buttons, and but I still want to keep kind of the look of it or the feel. Is there a good way to do that? Yeah. And what about the button configuration? He's kind of worried about that. So.
1: Well, you know, you're definitely going to have to change it up some to make it work with, uh, with a multi-game. Oh, yeah. But... One way that we're going to recommend, if you want to go and you can go ahead and bring up the slide, if you want, John, that you can actually put the holsters or what holds the guns on the sides of the game. Right. That way, you still have the guns right there for the gun games, but then you have the buttons down here for, and then you know it's all tomato, tomato. You know, what do you like? Exactly. What, what do you? What kind of layout do you like? I know you're you grew up in the fighting games. You like that. Six joystick button. six
0: button, yep. Joystick right. six button,
1: and uh, you know I might prefer them kind of four buttons, kind of spread out a little bit more. But you know it's it, to each his own, and at, at that. But I do think if you put the joy, if you take the guns out of the way, that definitely gives you a lot more options and a lot more space to deal with, and
0: allows you to keep the functionality of the guns, Tim. Right. So it like I'm assuming here that what Phil wants to do is make this a generic JAMA cabinet, but he wants to be able to play his light gun games and maybe play some six button fighters or some other things as well sure. you know or get a multi-game board that he can swap in with the current light gun jamma board that he has and so if he wants to do that he could keep like we said he could keep the guns mounted on the side and keep them hooked up to the light to the light gun jamma board in his cabinet and then he may have to rewire the harness to add the joysticks and buttons um and when i say rewire the harness he may have he could either put a whole new harness in which would work, or he mm-hmm. could pin, repin the harness that he has.
1: He may need to repin a few things. Right, exactly. So, because
0: usually with light gun games like Lethal Enforcers, Tim, they don't put the... Um,
1: they don't even put the wires. The wires the and the buttons. pins
0: in, in the slots for the buttons. And oh, the
1: they're saving money all they can, you know, to exactly. make those for that game
0: so he may have to insert some pins and some wires into those joystick ports or Tim he could just get one of the fantastic jaMA harnesses from Holland Computers and just rewire it with that one instead if he wanted to that's an option as well but he could just insert wires in his current JAMA harness. Uh, Tim, we mentioned they use the zero point one five six terminal pins, which mm-hmm. you can get from Twisted Quarter. Tim, you can get them; they're like five cents a piece or less. They're like five cents if you order one, and if you order them like in a hundred bag, they're like two cents a piece or whatever. Oh wow! It is. You know what I'm saying? They go down based on how many you order. So I mean, they're they're for the most part they're pretty cheap. But that would allow you to insert wires and pins for the joysticks and buttons because they're probably not there right now your other option there Phil would be just to get a whole new harness if you want to get a whole new harness you could do that as well and if you're going to get a whole new harness Tim make sure you buy it from Holland Computers because they have the best right Right. they are (laughs) they -hmm. are the best so um but uh yeah it's not hard to do you could keep the aesthetic for the most part um if you're going to be drilling the holes okay so if you're going to be drilling the holes Take the plexiglass off if you have it first mm-hmm. and then drill your holes and then use a step drill bit on the plexiglass to cut the plexiglass through, okay? Um, you can use a hole saw on your control panel if it's a wooden control panel, Tim, or even if it's a metal. Right. Make sure you use a bi-metal hole saw, Tim, like we always recommend, so... But uh, it should be a pretty easy process, not hard at all. Um, You know, you can get the six-button template like I like uh, online. You can find people who have them. You just put the paper down. You draw your little holes, and Mm -hmm. you you drill where you want. It's easy. And like I said, then screw back down your uh, plexiglass and use a step drill bit to drill your holes in the plexi. So... Um, It may be a little nerve-wracking if you've never done it before, Tim, but overall, not a hard process. So, any other tips for Phil, as far as this project is concerned?
1: No, let us know kind of how it went, Phil. I'd I'd be be interested to see some, some actual pictures of your game would help, too.
0: There you go. So, Phil, hopefully answers your question, and good luck adding a joystick and buttons to your nice light gun arcade cabinet. Okay, Tim, I've got a question here from Julio. And Julio says, hello, I have a question to ask. Okay. I have a four-player arcade control panel that I bought. I was going through the games, and a lot of them are four-player games, but they only work with two players, not all four. I'm not good with names of this kind of stuff, but all the games are in this thing called Baby Star. I would like to know if I am able to play four-player games on Baby Star, or do I need a Retro Pie Or something else. So, Tim, um, I did some research on this one because I was not familiar with the Baby Star. But what the Baby Star is, Tim, is is a multi-game board. And a lot of people may know it more as the Games Family Board. And typically this board has like 2,000 games on it. And and the PCB looks like a two-layer stack with a hard drive. So basically it's a PC, two-layer stack, with a hard drive off to the side. Okay. And so I went, I looked at the manual, Tim, and wouldn't you know it, there's a way to change... All individual games to two, from two-player to four-player. Wow. And so, so that's what right we got Right there in here. the manual. Exactly. In the manual. So I went ahead, I put it up here. According to the manual for the Baby Star System, which we found at this link, bit.ly slash baby hyphen star hyphen manual. We'll put that in the show link so you can see it. It does have four-player support. The manual also states on page 17 how to switch between two- and four-player modes. So... You gotta turn on dip switch four on switch two bank. Okay, right, you gotta do that first with the game off. With the game off, we should say that. Okay, then turn the game on. Press the mode key to change to two or four player mode. Turn off that dip switch
1: or shut oh, down so it. So you can do this it off. with the game on. See, okay. that,
0: it's, it did not say whether you had to have it on or off. I assume that you can do it with the game on I just because of can. the way they're saying it. So, um, but you do need to set that two or four player. And then it says you have to enter any game, play it once, then exit back to the game list, and then it will save it. Okay. So you could, so maybe the person who had this before you Julio just did the first three steps and didn't do the fourth step and it didn't save the option. Probably so. Now this also mean this also means that you should have your 3 and 4 players wired up, mm-hmm. which it does show you how to do that in the manual as well, so make sure you have your 3 and 4 players wired up to the board the way it's supposed to be wired up there's actually a little external board tim it looked like that goes with it that you have to hook the three and four players up to so make sure you have everything wired up but if you do you should be able to switch it from two player to four player and then give and that should give you the extra two players on some of the four player games so i um, so Tim I've now, never
1: seen a baby star
0: i have not seen them in person That's i have seen cool. them online and they're mm-hmm. usually in the past they've been super expensive i think the prices come down a little bit i say super expensive like 200 300 which is a lot for just a multi-game board mm-hmm. um when you can get like pandora's boxes for less than 100 a lot of times you know so uh i am not familiar as much with them but after seeing the manual i think that uh that it should be pretty easy to do hopefully julio can figure it out if you have any problems with it julio let us know and we'll try to help you out further okay tim we got a question from wasteland warrior got a barn find today And when I moved it, I heard something rumbling around inside. I Mm -hmm. managed to get my hand in the coin door, and the game bit me, then hissed. What would cause this? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think we all have an idea of what that was, Tim. Wow.
1: (laughs) I hope you're okay. That's right, exactly. You might want to contact poison control. But no.
0: Um, Obviously, Tim,
1: if. Hope it was a rat snake or something. Yeah,
0: need to be careful when opening up arcade cabinets, especially in barns. Yeah. And we have experience with this. Uh, Tim, a lot of times when we open up a cabinet, we won't open up the front first. We no. will open up the back first. And so, what we'll do if we don't have the key is we'll drill out the lock on the back. Yeah. So, be careful anytime you're getting anything in a bar- barn. And, Tim, I don't know um, here if uh, Wasteland Warrior is serious or if he's just kidding with us. But obviously, um, you want to be careful anytime you open an arcade cabinet. There was cabin.
1: a good discussion uh, in one of the groups the other day. It was talking about what have you found inside of a game. And one guy found, like, a Rolex and all kinds of stuff. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy, all in, like, one pinball game. But, anyway, uh, you definitely want to be careful the first time you ever open any game. Even when you buy an auction, they'll tell them what, where it's been and what it's been through.
0: Now, YouTube Punk says Womp Womp and it has a little snake... Yeah. <laughs> little snakes obviously be careful like Plenty i said, of mice. open the back first yeah. open the back first just to make sure yeah. so um yeah we've seen a lot of mice yeah, but you slowly. see tim that's the thing about it is that when you well, find mice, mice you find they yeah. find snakes and other things so uh always want to be careful with that tim but um we've opened up our fair share of cabinets and seen um we've seen a lot of
1: i've seen snake skin yeah but we have seen snake skin haven't seen, found found skin. A, haven't seen a an actual snake.
0: snake in one so but uh want to be very careful like we said try to open up the back of the cabinet first always a good idea and then if um like i said if uh if you can't get it open with a key just drill out the lock tim we have a we have a um a video on what drilling a coin door lock or mm-hmm. something like that or replacing a coin door lock that's it so you know just follow our instructions on that and you can get into the back and not have to worry about getting your hand bit or whatever the case may be right so, we hope you're okay if, you, if it's serious if uh-huh. not we got a good laugh out of it anyway. okay so there you go Okay, Tim, let's see what else we got here. We have William. Let's go ahead and get to William. Hey, guys. Love the videos you do. Would you be open open to answering a question, giving some guidance on how to adjust the screen on an old scramble cocktail table? My screen is shifted to the side some, but I can't seem to find the place on my monitor to adjust the picture. Thanks for all your time. No worries if you don't have time to assist. Again, like all the vids you guys post. Now, Tim... Obviously, we've got time to answer mm-hmm. this because we're answering it right here. So we made, William, time, we, for we, William. We made time for you here and we are going to help you out with your scramble. Now, Tim, it sounds like. It's slightly shifted. We don't know if it's to the left or to the right, just as to the mm-hmm. side a little bit. So, and it is a in a cocktail, so right. it's a little bit tighter space than what we might have with uh, other cabinets. So, how can we adjust this uh, this uh, little side to side on his scramble cocktail? Well, monitor? a
1: lot of it would kind of depend on the type of monitor that he has. Sure. If it's um, the typical that back in that day, like a four thousand six hundred or go O seven or um, forty nine K four thousand nine hundred. You know, there's different ways to adjust that. And if you want to, you can go ahead and show the video because we got a good picture. Now, the first one, the top picture up there, there's two different pictures you guys yeah, can I, see. Yeah, I put them
0: both here because I wanted him to see them too.
1: Yeah, it's more of the 4600 um, style, or the 4900, I'm sorry. And then if you... No, it's a
0: 46. You said 40 oh, it's a 46? Top one's a 46.
1: Okay. And so you want to adjust that just a little bit. You see the horizontal adjustment there? And uh, so you can turn that slightly, and it should move your picture side to side. Now, the bottom one is definitely a G07, and that one has a jumper wire. So you see those two adjustment pots. Then you'll see, um, if everybody can look at their screen, you got, I think you kind of circled it there, didn't you, John? Uh, the picture, Barely...
0: uh, I pulled this from another website, but yeah, the picture shows the picture.
1: So circled, well. if you guys can see that clearly on your screen. There is a jumper wire there. And it is on the far right. Right now, there's three places that it can plug into, If you'll move that to the middle or even the left, it will adjust and move your picture over.
0: And I'll go ahead and read what we got here. You kind of summarized it really well, Mm -hmm. Tim, but I'll go ahead and read it. Based on our experience, most scramble cabinets came from the factory with either a Wells Garner 4600, Tim, which is most notable for the cards. Okay. um, You know, the horizontal vertical card and the little whatever card, I forget them. Or the G07 installed. If you have a Wells Garner 4600, try turning the master horizontal uh, hold centering control, which is at location L351. It's so that on, big
1: silver square with the red dial. Right. The on
0: the horizontal vertical board, you can find information about this at therealbobroberts.net slash slanted.html, Tim. You can go there. He's got a great write-up on how to do this. If you have go G07, there's a jumper that you can move between three different prongs that allows you to set the horizontal positioning. You can also try adjusting the horizontal frequency as well. Now, Tim, if you have problems and you still can't get it to to kind of be you know correct, Maybe a sink issue. It's possible. Make sure that you have your sink, that the sink wire is making a good connection to the rest. The sink wire is making a good connection to the rest of your chassis because I have seen that before where the sink wasn't making a good connection and I couldn't get it lined up just right. And so it's very possible that you have that. But um, you got to be, yeah, these two are, um, the the case 4600 in particular can be a little, a little, Tough to get to, mm-hmm. so you have to be careful when you're when you're you're turning it there. But uh, if you do it, it should help you adjust it. Now, if you have a 4900, there's a different adjustment for that. But we're just going by the fact that you have a scramble game, and these were the two monitors that were the most common in that game. So, um, but again, try these and see if they work. Now, Tim, as you know, people have also taken that three prong uh, horizontal positioning adjustment and put a potentiometer there, uh-huh. um, so you can do that mod as well if you want to, which will give you a little bit more play. So if you want to do that, that's that's one. You can find that mod online. I, I'll find a link to it. I'll put it in the show notes if I think about it. But um, but um, the jumper should give you enough play, but if you need a little bit more, you may think about putting a pot there as well. So William, hopefully that answers your question. Anything else here for William, Tim?
1: No, I think that should help him and okay. put him on the right direction.
0: Sounds good. So hopefully William answers your question. Good luck adjusting the horizontal positioning on your arcade monitor. Okay, so we have a couple of people discussing the snake, Tim. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, let's see. Uh, BKAS724, have you ever found a body in an arcade game? Nope, not, not but yet. you can fit one in there. You probably uh, can. <laughs> so, um, it depends on the game, though. I would say that.
1: I've, I moved a couple that was heavy enough. There might have been a body in there. It felt like it.
0: It's called a 27-inch monitor. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's see. Maybe Hoffa's in a cabinet somewhere. <laughs> That's from the Rexer Show. He's here tonight. Um, let's see. I saw it on CSI once. Wow. uh that uh now i'm scared of finding a body in one. there you go csi tim
1: i've definitely found so, a uh an old squirrel body a mummified yep. squirrel maybe in yeah, one. i
0: found some other things but youtube punk was asking what game it is we'll find out hopefully soon okay john has a question though here tim he says good evening guys i'd like to put a full-size cabinet in a carpeted room probably in a corner with just a little gap for ventilation any suggestions on how to protect my carpet sliders yeah furniture sliders uh, would be the number one thing to do. So, um, you know, the furniture sliders, if you guys have not used them, you can get them. You can get the cheapies from Harbor Freight or you can get really nice ones. But um, furniture sliders are, are probably the best thing that you can do. So, slide it where you want it. And you can even leave them under it. Um, I would probably mm-hmm. take them out because it's pretty easy to rock the cabinet back, take them out, rock it forward, and then take out the backs. And mm-hmm. you can, and it shouldn't damage your carpet too much as long as it's just sitting in one spot. Um, you should be okay. Um, you know, putting casters on it, really nice casters may be a good idea as well, Tim. You know, some yeah, of will still, it up a little bit. The,
1: the weight of them will still probably indent on your carpet, though.
0: Right, you can't help that. You're going to yeah. get that no matter what. Um, now, you could try putting a piece of cardboard or something underneath it. Or, or one of
1: those, like, rubber mats that you see that mm-hmm. people use for static or whatever, but yeah, they sure. actually, you can get them at uh, Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot, just the rubber matting. You can put some of that under there too. But
0: no matter what, your carpet's probably going to take a little bit of a hit. doing that a lot of weight exactly so i mean you're gonna deal with that um you know if you move it and then vacuum it a couple of times it'll get those fibers to kind of pop up a little bit more i think but um but you're gonna you may have a little bit of damage you know just depending but um, obviously using the sliders and then putting something underneath it Once once that's done probably the best way to avoid that so he says uh i know i'll inevitably need to spin it around for repairs so i was thinking about Furniture glides or something. I'm not sure how well that would work. The cabinet um, has those four disc metal feet. That's why I was thinking about the sliders. I was wondering if it'd be able to spin it for access. Yes, those sliders, Tim, are usually pretty yeah. very good about that. So you can take a piece of furniture that's very heavy and just move it in any direction.
1: We use sliders at Chuck E. Cheese. A lot of times they will, um, they have a Sticky tape, you'd unglue them, or we would glue them to the bottom. That's every month, we would move every single game. And if we had a slider on it, some of those games are huge, and you could just push it out of the way, vacuum under it, clean under it, and push it back. The
0: only thing about first course, is- it was
1: very short carpet.
0: Yeah, if you're going to keep it on there, make sure you get the really good furniture sliders though, because yes. I have had them damaged before
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, under the weight of an arcade game. So make sure you get some that are rated for some heavy furniture. The ones at Harbor Freight are not. We bought our, <laughs> so, We would
1: buy ours at Granger most of the time. Yeah, so, so make sure you
0: get the good sliders, not the plastic ones. You may even, they have the metal ones, Tim. I don't know if you've seen yes. those. So you might consider getting the metal style ones They have like the little rounded cup on the end mm-hmm. that's metal instead of plastic The plastic ones tend to crack under a lot of weight so but uh, hopefully that answers your question john yeah you can't leave them under there and like tim mentioned maybe putting um uh some uh, maybe a wraparound of duct tape or something on that to keep the slider on the caster would be a good idea. Um, but those usually allow you to spin the machine fairly easily.
1: You know, our friend Stan, though, put wheels on all of his games, and he had carpet out in his game room and would just move them all around. Yeah. So uh, caster would be another, or, or wheel, would uh, yeah. be way to go. Absolutely. Again, you get what you pay for. So
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so hopefully answers your question. Uh, let's see, that was Josh. And let us know what you do and how it works out for you. I'm curious. Uh, the PS1 addict is here, Tim? So, uh, that's really cool, too. So, I um, uh, that think that's Josh from okay. the uh, Arcade Cole- uh, Collectors Worldwide group. Okay, so, hey, Josh. Yeah, so there you go. Um, Wasteland Warrior says, Harbor Freight flyers are horrible. Walmart has a nice set. Yeah, the Harbor Freight ones are, like, one-time use. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, because they crack very easily. But, I mean, they're great if you're just going to use them one time. Right. Like, so, if you're just doing one move, uh, they'll do one move really well. But if you're doing, doing more than that, get you some good ones, so... Okay, Tim. Well, the last grouping of questions we have is a grouping of questions from YouTube. Okay. So, and we've been doing this the last couple episodes where we just take like three questions from YouTube and kind of throw them all in here. And so that's what we've done here for our last one. So uh, I'll go ahead and throw these up here. Three questions from YouTube tonight. Tim Lawrence says, how do you connect video to an old monitor? Which I think we've already talked about tonight. Okay. Uh, Robert says, why not just swap in a modern power supply instead of using or rebuilding a classic power supply? Okay. Okay. And then we have Michael says, please help. Um, I bought a game and played it for about 10 minutes and then smoke and then nothing.
1: All right.
0: Okay, so let's take these one at a time, Tim. So Lawrence, how do I connect video to an old monitor? Now we already talked about it, right? Right,
1: we did talk about it a lot tonight. Most of them are RGB. And the red, green, and blue and, and ground are easiest to sync wire that you have to watch. And we do have videos on that. We're also going to show you a slide.
0: Right, exactly. Well, we have the link here, Tim, yeah. to therealbobroberts.net slash sync.html. And when I throw that up here, you'll see it again. And when we show it, make sure you write that down. Because that, that discusses a lot of the common sync configurations that you have with different monitors. So uh, so make sure you take a look at that. All right. Now, Tim, Robert has a really interesting question and one we get a lot. Right.
1: Why not just Why not?
0: replace a classic power supply with a modern power supply
1: well because some games run better with the original and a lot of times if you're trying to save money they're cheaper to rebuild right and it's just nice to kind of keep it original but at the same time if you like uh if you'll watch our video where we talk about a lot on a lot of our shows that the williams games really don't like the newer style right and they can actually cause some uh, damage you want to talk about that a little bit more you know
0: Right, well, our our Williams former programmer friend, Ken, talks about this a lot, where um, the linear power supplies in Williams games were developed so that the five volts, as soon as you turned them off, immediately went to zero. It did not, it did not uh, tear down the voltage, basically. It's
1: kind of like taking your computer every time and just quickly unplugging it. Right. Not let, shutting it down and letting it, you're going to get some corrupt data after a while or probably your chances are higher. So what,
0: what happens is, is that when you use a switching power supply, the voltage steps down. It doesn't just go from five to zero, right? Right. Like, so the Williams was designed five to zero. Right. But a switching power supply will go five, four, three, two, one, zero. Right. Okay, And so what happens is that those chips were not designed to run off low voltage. So when it gets that 4, there's a chance that the processor just starts spitting out garbage to your memory locations. And so it can erase your high scores. It can erase your settings. It can erase all sorts of stuff, which is why, in most cases, it's better to use the original power supply in Williams games than it is to use a switching power supply. Now, Tim, we're going to talk about this exception to that in your tech tip. Yes. Because I found an exception to that when I was uh, doing some research for what you want to talk about. Okay. So we'll talk about that here in a second, about using a switching supply in a Williams game. Okay. But uh, as a rule of thumb, better to rebuild the classic than to try and replace it with a switching if you've got a rebuildable classic power supply. Now, Tim, there's some games where I'm not as picky about that. Right. You know, it really depends. It's on a per-game basis, I would say. For instance, Pac-Man games. I was
1: going to Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man, to me, run a Fine. lot better exactly.
0: off, of, off of a it, switcher.
1: You, how many have you seen where the edge connectors all burned and right. stuff? And that's one reason why.
0: Exactly. And that's what we talk about in the video that he left that comment on, Tim, mm-hmm. is that on those, it is better to use a switching power supply because that AC to DC conversion that happens on the board...
1: Right. And better that it happen on the power supply. Exactly.
0: Better to happen on the power supply than Not at it. the board level. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's why we have a lot of burnt traces on edge connectors for Pac-Man's. But anyway. Uh, so now, Tim, the third question was from Michael. And obviously, he was getting some smoke, Tim. Okay. And decided he was going to turn off his game, which was probably pretty smart on your part, Michael. Because, right. um, you know, and here's the thing: he bought it, right? Right. Plays for 10 minutes. And I mean, then smoke. the smoke. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, I bought this thing, it was working when I bought it, and then it blew up. Now, what happens, Tim? Though, when we move games,
1: a lot of stuff. <laughs> exactly, and like so. More often than not, something happens.
0: Sometimes people aren't so good at screwing down things when mm. they're working on games, and so what ends up happening is that things you move a game and things just chassis just falls out, board just falls out, and stuff like this. So, um, quick tip for everybody in the chat room and everybody who's watching at home. Open up the back of the cabinet and screw down everything before you move the game. Right. Just a good rule of thumb. But anyway, so what options, though, does Michael have at at this point? I
1: can hear the voice of my dad. Where there's smoke, there's fire. fire. So where there's fire, that's where you got to decide. You need to open it up before turning it back on or trying anything else. Take a flashlight and try to see if... Start smelling. Yeah, start use your nose, use those things. Um, And then you can even, like, unplug the monitor, unplug the board... Turn it on, see if there's any power going through your power supply. Hopefully it's there, or it's a fuse there, or something going on, and you won't damage anything else. And you can do that. Or it could have been your monitor. Maybe if you unplug it, plug your game board in, it plays blind, and you know it's in your chassis. So, a little, or you inspect your board really close. Everything else seems fine. You're got net glow and stuff, but then when you plug in your board, you get nothing. So you're gonna have to try just a little bit of. Uh, Trust all of your senses. You know your hearing, your smell and then of course your sight. Use a flashlight. Look around. You'll probably find something you know, it's a multitude of things that it could be, could be just a bulb or something, but obviously it went out and quit playing. Right. Uh, So hopefully it just blew a fuse or something like that, like it was supposed to, and it won't be too expensive a repair. I was about
0: to say, a lot of times this happens, right, because we have a short somewhere or something like that, or something shorted. So like um, if the chassis was not screwed on good, and then it made contact with the frame. Right. All of a sudden, boom, right. We got, we got a little bit of fireworks, something like that. So, um, you know, going around making sure looking for black parts Tim anything that looks black or melted or something like that is a good idea um, and smelling for stuff Tim we've smelled for stuff before you smell that smelling that smoke mm-hmm. smell and you just like is that coming from the power supply is that coming from the from the board is that coming from the monitor chassis yeah, and it everybody
1: kind of, knows that electronic burnt smell has a little different smell too, absolutely hopefully so. it's not anything yeah. major
0: oh we know that smell good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very familiar with uh-huh. so let me throw the slide up here so uh, Lawrence this one's for you okay so, again, red, green, blue, ground, and sync. That's what you need in order to hook it up. Tim, I have a picture here of, I, be, I believe this is a GO7 pinout. I can't remember. But um, like just it. one that's taken from the realbobroberts.net slash sync.html. Um, but that has a lot of good explanations about how the sync works on different monitors. So, Lawrence, if you're looking to hook up a classic or an R- an, a CRT monitor, arcade monitor in your game, uh, that will definitely give you a lot of great information on how to do that. <clears throat> Robert, some games run better with the original power supply installed, like we mentioned, okay? For example, Williams games, as they don't take kindly to the voltage drop-off of modern power supplies. So like we talked about, it doesn't like that 4, 3, 2, 1 drop-off whenever the power supply goes off. And it can write corrupt data to memory locations on the board. So so important to uh, make sure that you use, if you are going to use a switching power supply, to to um, to find a way to ground that out, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And Michael, figure out where the smoke is coming from in uh, inside your cabinet, and just give us more details. So we can help you out further. So if you can find where it's coming from, then we can help you out. Now, Tim, you'll see this nice little burnt section in this board that I posted here. Um, <laughs> sometimes you find that exactly yeah. not his board, but sometimes you find that, right, Tim? Right. So be very, 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 very careful. Don't turn it on until you've got an idea of where that damage could be. I agree. Okay, are we good there? We got everything. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So uh, let's see what we got here, Tim, in the live chat before we move on uh josh gave us 10 bucks oh, he thank says you, thanks josh. guys sounds great awesome thank you so much josh for your donation we greatly appreciate it uh let's see mr silver mania i bought four games had a 2049 a tekken 3 uh trophy hunter and prize game for 200 dollars. got 190 dollars in quarters wow. and all but one game worked
1: wow <laughs> so you
0: got the deal of the century right. can i just say that so there you go <laughs> deal of the century old 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 game show you should look it up so, anyway, Wasteland Warrior, listening uh from the John tonight. Double egg's a bad choice. Uh, there you go. Uh, sorry <laughs> about that, Wasteland Warrior. That's a different I bird figure the most. I figure most people probably watch uh this show on the can. Am I right. wrong in that? <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: Is it a cubicle or a can one? All that's
0: right. right. Um, Wasteland Warrior says, how do I donate? I love this show. Okay, so you can hit the dollar sign below.
1: Right. Okay, and
0: do it through the Super Chat, or you can go to ArcadeRepairTips.com slash donate. Right. That's how you can donate tonight. Let's see what Josh B. I know it's like Car Talk for arcades, huh? I've been listening to the podcast on the road all the time. Yes, so we are kind of like Car Talk for arcades, kind of. We uh, we do a little bit of different stuff too sometimes, but yeah, yeah. we're that's we've been compared to Car Car Talk. It's okay. Which is Car Talk still a thing? Because I thought that they were going to. I haven't heard of them in something. a while. Yeah, what do you mean? I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, we're, that's about the closest comparison I guess that we have. So there you go um danny says had that happen to one of my games a cracked flyback wasn't pretty so smoke a lot of times when we smell smoke Tim, it seems like a monitor flyback is a very common place where that's coming from so uh let's see oh youtube punk says should be the dollar sign icon that is correct so dollar sign icon is what we're looking for uh, but, uh, yeah, if you want to donate to the show, we greatly appreciate all donations and we thank you for joining us tonight. You don't have to donate to be here. We don't require that of you. Um, but we do appreciate all donations and, uh, it keeps us, uh, it keeps us going here and all we right. get to do all sorts of cool stuff. With, we do all sorts of cool stuff with it, like, um, buy equipment and get you stuff to do streaming on location, which we need to do still and right. things like that. Hey, we need to do a uh, show from Mr. Gaddy's. Yes. Yes. We need to do that. You have a good enough internet now there? I think so. Oh, you see, I'm um, sorry I've got my um smart speaker on over there. Oh. Need it I need to turn it off, don't I? <laughs> but uh I think she keeps listening on, on us, but it is what it is. So mm-hmm. everybody else is listening, so there you go. Um uh, Michael says, um, let's see Oh YouTube Punk says one of the brothers died on car talk. Oh. So okay. that's why we haven't heard him in a while. Yeah, one of the brothers passes away on car talk. Yeah, so man, I hate to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um I listened to it kinda on and off, didn't listen to every episode, but you know, I mean I'm not I'm not, I'm a sort of car guy. I know a little bit.
1: Right. Like, very Mm -hmm. little. Enough to know when to take it in and get it fixed. Exactly. So, I
0: mean, you know, I've done some some work. I used to work at a used car dealership for my uncle. Mm -hmm. So, I have done some things, like I can change oil and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you know, anything beyond, like, normal maintenance, it's probably going to the shop.
1: Actually, I would say that working on arcade games has made me better at repairing cars. Yeah. Because now if a light's out or something, I don't take it to anybody, you know. Um, But I did a couple Saturdays ago, no, it was Sunday actually. I took the day and like we've got new windshield wipers for everybody cuz everybody was complaining about their wipers <laughs> and uh, and my daughter had a headlight out. So I just spent all afternoon, I call it the garage is open, and I'll tell you what, wipers have become difficult. <laughs> They're not the same and Depends you have all the these adapters yep. and all this stuff and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I feel I need and so what I do? Watch the YouTube video, that's right, and, exactly. and I learned how to do it. So, uh, yeah, I got I, once I had the right adapter. I, once I did one, the others seemed to go faster, but I was like, so wow, times have changed.
0: You also replaced windshield wipers. I also replaced windshield wipers. And guess what? I had to replace them. Where? Went to the car wash, and it ripped one of mine off. Oh, no. Yep. So, um, that's great. But here's the deal I had already ordered replacements oh, because so knew was- um, I knew my windshield wipers were old. But yeah. Literally, like it caught on one of the little squeegee things that rubs up against uh-huh. the car and ripped it right off.
1: Wow, so, so the, plas-
0: the plastic piece that held it to the to the windshield wiper you know, the, the wiper part was still there.
1: It didn't scratch your glass or nothing, right? No, it didn't that's my glass fear at all. is I'm that not- one's going to come off this, it's going to be no, <laughs> you know, no, no. Just it just, it it just took it
0: off with it and it just ended up off uh-huh. to the side. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I need to go home. So, um, I went home immediately and replaced it. Um, I got RainX over here too, which I highly recommend for people who are, right. who are, um, who are doing their windshields. If you're doing your windshield wipers, put the RainX on there. Uh, RainX Tim, a lot of times, if people don't know, it's like wax. Mm-hmm. So like the same way you would apply wax to a car, you yeah, put RainX on your, on your right. windshield. Um, you apply it, you let it sit for a minute, you take it off, and then mm-hmm. when you're done, it beads up on your car, windshield stuff. And to be honest with you, if it, it's do you, Uh, When you first apply it, you almost don't even need windshield wipers. It's so good at beating off the stuff. Of course, um, they help a lot. Now, what brand windshield wiper did you go with?
1: I'm curious. uh, Because I saw a YouTube video on the best one. I went with three different brands. Okay. Because my son has a newer Mustang, and he went out and bought the highest, I think the highest one. I'm trying to think. Uh, I bought Rain-X. Rain-X is good. Rain-X has a good rating. Um, Now, which one did he buy? I'm trying to think. Bosch.
0: So, the Bosch is like... Pretty close to the
1: top. Yeah, he spent... I was like, I'm like, how much you spend on wipers? And he was like, I don't know. It was close to $38 or something. I was like, why? Yeah. Why'd you spend that? He's like, well, I wanted to get good ones and I wanted them last. And I'm like, eh, you know, your mom's car. Now, hers, I think she got the advanced or the generic one on <laughs> I don't know. She got the, now, um, did you get the blade high type top blend. Of, did you get
0: the blade on all of them or did you get like the standard windshield wiper on some of them? You know what I mean by the blade? The kind of one that flops...
1: No, I didn't get any, that on any of them. Okay, I'm, the a blade,
0: I'm a big blade fan. That's the, why those were so expensive. The triple one, like? Well, no, it's not a triple. It's like it's it's like a little flexible blade. And so what it does is it kind of conforms to your windshield when, oh, you, hit it on, when you put it on. his had that. Yeah, yeah his had the Bosch, that. I don't know if Bosch makes the traditional wiper or not. Right. But um, I yeah, like the blade. kind of bend it. Exactly. The blade type are the best like for getting the water off. Bosch is very highly rated. It's like top three. Bosch is the cheapest one that you can buy without spending a fortune. Right, that's what I'll say. So, like, it's the best one you can buy without spending more than fifty dollars for windshield wipers. So there you go. But uh, anyway, totally off topic. But right. you got me talking on windshield wipers. It is what there it we is. Up. We moved to car talk. You said, <laughs> "Yeah, we actually." I'm just did saying, if
1: uh windshield wipers have gotten that complicated, I don't imagine what rebuilding an engine oh, is I like know. these days. So, absolutely. So, how about it? We it, got anything in the tech? We do. We have some. Um, somebody yet?
0: says they want us to do the Mister. This is YouTube Punk says Mister Getty's live show and game tour okay they want to throw the game tour in there so we'll we'll see we may be able to work that out we have five weeks till the next live show which may give us a little extra time to set something like that up mm-hmm. so we'll see um michael mccormick i have a custom lawn darts uh silver strike combo and i need to make a, a new female vga connector uh for one of the machines i have the crimper and the parts just need some expert advice I mean, as far as the the crimping and stuff goes, it's really usually. I mean, with those Tim, you just solder on the wires that you need, and then you. I mean, or if you have the crimper piece you can crimp the pins on and insert it into the connector mm-hmm. i mean it's really not complicated it he can would, you have to be very very careful we've done a
1: video on crimping stuff
0: not that small though VJ's is okay. a little bit different with those individual pins if that's what he's doing okay. so um it's a little bit different with that you want to be very careful because those pins are very tiny in comparison to the ones that we usually use in molex connectors so um just be very very careful and i would highly recommend a magnifying lens Okay. okay when you're working with it <clears throat> tim we have that we used to have that big lighted magnifying lens that we could put stuff under um something like that i remember be what
1: you're saying one time what we did john was we actually um so we stripped it back right. we put it through there we crimped it then we put pulled a little saw we put a little solder and we pulled a little heat shrink over it just to make sure it had a real good connection
0: gotcha
1: um and that was one way that we did it that seemed to work really good there you go if you're having to do a lot of them though it would take it would be time consuming absolutely
0: uh michael bloom uh, that's exactly true a lot of logic uh requires diagnosis of faulty arcade machine applies to many things including working on cars like you Mm -hmm. mentioned tim that is right uh no conspiracy no job is buying fixing and arcade games then putting them in convenience stores on viable business Will they take them? If so, how much uh, would you split the money, uh, would you split the money-wise or money-wise?
1: Well, every state has different laws. Yes. And all I really understand and all I've ever operated is in Texas. So I will tell you this much. The first thing you have to do in Texas, you have to buy an operator's license, which I think is still $200. Right. Then you have to buy a repair license for like $50, so $250 a year, whether you own any machines or not. Correct. Then you have to pay a tax, uh sticker per game, of $60. So you're out $310 Minimal. or 1200 and something quarters before you ever even get started. So what you have, in Texas by law, you have to split it. I think it's 50-50. The only way we've ever gotten around that was to tell them, you're not making, that's 50-50 of the profit. Right. Well, you haven't made profit until that game has taken 1,200 quarters. So I usually negotiate with them and said, look, the first pool or something, we're going to pay for the taxes and all that. You split that with me. We'll make sure then we start splitting 50-50. But to be honest, I mean, how many do you see out on route today? Not a lot because there's just not a lot of money in it anymore. Uh, Most of the arcades that are successful have other stuff tied to them. Now, saying that, um, you know, it's just they take so much abuse when you put them in laundromats and stuff. I'm not saying you couldn't do it, especially if you're pretty good at repairing games. You have to be good at repairing games uh, in order to make money at it. Otherwise, you'd spend all your money on the repairs. Gun games, stuff like that, I would avoid because of the wear and tear and damage that people do to them. Um, but like, a, if you had a decent game. Uh, a Miss Pac-Man or something, it might do okay, but you don't expect to make a kill and retire off of it.
0: I was going to say, um, we've had the best luck with fighting games.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean if... a yeah, a player game where people can play each other or right. sit down racing. Yeah, They're pretty races. durable, exactly. I guess you could say. Something like that. I would definitely... I wouldn't say don't do it because for, you know, why not? You know, if you want to, it's nice to have that operator's license and to be able to do that. Uh, Jonathan and I had some success at a a place kind of like GameStop. Right. Uh, It wasn't a GameStop. It was more local. Independent game store. Independent game store. And because people come in there like to play games, well, they also like to put quarters in them. And that was one way that we did was we would put an astronomical or a higher price than we thought we could get at any auction or for sale. And eventually that game would tell somebody would play it so much they would really want to buy it take it home and then we'd just put another one in there we made probably the most money we've ever made uh, off of those games in that particular fighting games in that particular location so you got to have a good location that's willing to do let you put that uh, but know the laws in whatever state you're in they're all different for instance Oklahoma I don't think you have to have an operator's license or it's just a tax that you pay. Or there was one state near us. I think you don't even have to pay anything. There's like nothing, you know. Right. So or or it's five bucks instead of sixty dollars. So every state is different. Uh, I would be sure to check into that before you. Certainly don't want to uh, do anything illegal because once you get caught, if you get caught, there's a lot of times hefty fines and stuff that certainly don't make it worth even attempting to try.
0: Right. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do it. It is a little on the expensive side to get started, but once you do that, then you're in business and you can you can take money. You may make some, you may not. Uh, like Tim mentioned, 50-50 split here, but you can negotiate that in, as long as you have a written contract that says, you know, we're going to take the first pull or whatever it is. Then you can negotiate that with the location owner. And, you know, a lot of location owners are fine with that. You we'll right. notice. Like they're fine with, or, or saying, okay, we're going to do a 25% twenty five seventy five 75 split for us until the game's paid for. And then after that, we're <sighs> going to move it to the 50 50. Or
1: score. another example would we had a crane machine that we had to supply toys for. Well, if you're paying for the toys plus giving them 50 cents, it's not really fair. So what we would do is we would, every time I would buy toys, we would take that money out and then split what was left.
0: Exactly. Stuff like that. So but, you can negotiate that But in that Texas, stuff
1: you actually have to give them half. It's not like you can negotiate and give them a quarter and you keep 75. I think it's actually half that you have to pay them.
0: Right. I think you can negotiate that, though. Like yeah. I said, if you have a written contract, so. I think you can do it. But like I said, you have to have it written down. Right. It has to be written down, I believe. So anyway. Good question. There you go. Uh, and he says thank you so there you go um let's see um oh there you go project farm did a wiper blade shootout michelin won yeah i think michelins Mm -hmm. were expensive though if i remember correctly so uh let's see here michael mccormick this is a very unique machine now he's talking about the vga okay Has a toggle switch between the games and the game is playing blind it has a custom vga to edge connector and that and that got broken okay yeah so you are gonna have to repin that and that like we were saying just be careful because you're talking about some really tiny pins in there. So, not too tiny, but it's, it's a little cumbersome to deal with. Um, let's see. Um, Michael McCormick, thanks for answering my question, guys. I appreciate your, your, sh- I enjoy the show very much. Uh, we're glad to hear that. We like that you guys like watching it because right. we wouldn't do it otherwise. So there you go. Um, always great. Wasteland Warrior, Tim, 10 bucks. Wow. Thank, thank you. you so much for that. We appreciate it. Thank we appreciate you very it. Much. And he says number one fans. So, wow. <laughs> he's got the little, uh-huh. uh, the little, um, the little, uh, with emoji or whatever it is there. So.
1: Yeah. Right. he he not only learned how to use the button he got, he got all fancy and technical over there exactly there. there you go uh, nice.
0: youtube punk says john from john's arcade has his machines in a barcade um like place he said it was 50/50 he's in jersey and it depends on where you're at the the laws are different depending on where
1: you live jersey is actually one of the strictest place uh they actually have a what's called a jersey rule where it has to give out um like a prize or something. It's really strange. I, the mercy ticket is actually invented for most Jersey games. Um, you no, have no, to turn it off, I no, think. Yeah,
0: No Conspiracy No job. says he is in California. Okay. So I don't know what the rules are in California, but I bet there's so much red tape. I mean, just, just knowing how California does other things, Tim. There's right. probably a lot of red tape that you'll have to walk through for that. And another thing that you did mention, county taxes. Um, so we don't have that in Texas. Right. But a lot of places have county tax uh, taxes for the games as well. So you have to have not only your state tax license on the game, you have to have a county tax license on the game. Sometimes you have to have a city tax license right. on the game on top of that.
1: Say, now, you understand that John and I from Texas, we're conservative. We barely count California as part of the country. <laughs> <laughs> because of the taxes i wouldn't
0: say that i like california it's beautiful
1: it's beautiful i've been there but, but the as tape. far as just the yeah the taxes There's are a horrible high taxes red so tape. i would really look into that um everybody's going to want a cut of it and that's why i wonder if it's really worth it anymore because right. uh, and not only that did they wanted to charge you a sales tax on top of that uh, for both parties. So I don't know, you know. Um, check into it though. I'm not gonna I don't want to discourage you because there was a time when people told us not to do it. Exactly. And uh probably times when I wouldn't have eaten had I not had some money that we had made and we had made a lot of good money. Yep. Uh, and bought a lot of games. But and, you know, and we also
0: we check those games every week. Yeah. Every week you gotta right. be up there. Yeah. Because here's the thing
1: game is down,
0: you don't make money. Right. Game is down, don't make money. So. Well,
1: and we probably had a lot more respect for operators over the years, and we learned how to do some uh, quick fixes and stuff that we probably would never do if we had more time or on our own.
0: Exactly. Our own so, game. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, I think we caught up on all the questions.
1: Okay. So now it's time for your tip. tech
0: tip. So I'm going to go ahead and bring this up for Tim here, and I'm going to let you take it, Tim.
1: Go for it. Well, I will say that this time of the year, um, I, I, one, one reason I want to do this tech tip this month is because you got... Two times of the month that I try to do things. One is on Valentine, right after Valentine's Day, and the other one is right after Halloween. So that's six months apart. And what you do is, um, it's a time of year here in Texas, a good time to fertilize your yard if you don't want a bunch of stickers and weeds everywhere. I
0: need to do that,
1: by the way. But it also We're is, way off
0: topic tonight. Right? Cars, <laughs> lawns, going...
1: Well, I'm bringing it back to, it's also okay, a good go. time go. to replace the batteries in like my safe at work or any smoke detectors that you have, it's also highly recommended that if you have a video game or a pinball machine in particular it has a lot of more batteries than arcade games sometimes um, that you replace those batteries about every six months and it's not something we always think about in fact you you won't think about it until something happens one day or it quits working. Uh, but I wanna, I'll read the tech tip to you. It says batteries on circuit boards are often used to power a memory chip after the game is turned off or unplugged. This chip saves all the top scores, game settings, etc. When the game is turned on, it reloads this information and makes the necessary adjustments. Leaving batteries installed for too long can lead to the alkali and the batteries leaking out, causing damage to the board. Make sure you change your batteries batteries regularly to avoid this. And I said, if you do the same thing I do, remember that Valentine's and Halloween are good times. or six months to do that, but replace them in your smoke detector stuff, in your house, also maybe your filters or whatever. It's a good time to change the batteries in games. I used to do this at Chuck E. Cheese all the time. Any game that I had that had a battery, every six months, I don't know, our safe had batteries. I didn't ever want to come in one day and not be able to open the safe the battery had died never happened one time because I was pretty re- pretty regular about changing those but if you don't change them as you can see in the picture the they get that corrosion and stuff now what do you do once they kind of have got corroded even if it's not leaked or done damage to your board they can do some horrible damage um, to a board almost irreplaceable in some instances but what you can do like in this one's not too bad so far remove the battery. Take a soft bristle toothbrush, and you can probably clean that up pretty good before you put another battery back in there. But just a tech tip to remind everybody is that kind of time of year that I like to check all the batteries on my games.
0: Absolutely. Now, Tim, I mentioned something here at the bottom. This is the part I added. You can also install an MVRAM module to eliminate the need for batteries. Right. Right. Okay, so the NVRAM, Tim, uh, is basically a flash memory chip that goes in place of, like, the standard memory chip that doesn't require a battery. It uses flash memory, <laughs> and so you can, by using an MV RAM, you don't have to have the batteries installed. You can actually take the battery holders off the board in a lot of cases. Right. So, um, now, here's where the Williams game comes in, is that Arcade Shop has an NVRAM chip for Williams games that takes care of the voltage drop issue with switching power supplies. Okay. So, you could basically still use a switching power supply, and this memory, once the game shuts off, it protects itself. So that even if the processor tries to write to the NVRAM, it stops it. Okay. Okay, and it would prevent you having to use batteries on the board. Right. So, from Arcade Shop, they have a Williams NVRAM chip that will no longer need batteries, no longer have to worry about switching power supply, processor garbage to the memory locations.
1: So, everybody raise your hand and swear... That you're going to go check your batteries in <laughs> the right. next week before Valentine. You got a week before Valentine's Day. Of course, you take your wife, significant other, to dinner and buy her flowers and all that stuff. But also, you must uh, show some love to your video games. And so, it's a good time. T- Tim's tech tip of the month is to if you haven't, if you've never changed your battery, I guarantee you it's time. <laughs> yeah. <No, they laughs> so do. make sure that you change your batteries if your game has a battery or install or, or install, install the RAM. I
0: was about to say or install NVram chip. So, now,
1: and of course, if you go, there's also a lot of uh, people will transfer and go to the watch style batteries, yep. uh, the lithium batteries and stuff. Now those don't, but at least when they go bad, uh, they do cause some some issues. But at least they don't leak all over your board and just des- eat and destroy everything. Yeah, I've seen so them a lot of newer ones a have bit. those.
0: Yeah, I was about to say I've seen them puff up a little bit, but typically they don't they don't leak. Right. So I think they can technically, but it takes a lot for them to leak. It's not like Maybe what you so. get with standard alkaline batteries. Right. So. Now, YouTube Punk uh, went on to talk about some other things. The nice thing about California, Tim, and YouTube Punk mentioned this, is that there are a lot of shows in California, including the California Extreme. And so if you're you're out in California, it might not be a bad idea to connect with some other collectors that can help you out with starting a route. Because some of these guys may have already done it.
1: Yeah, and that may be a, a great idea. One thing that helped me and Jonathan was if I couldn't go, he could go and stuff like that. It took a little bit of the weight off of having to go every single week or every day to check it. One of us was there every week. It may not have been both of us, right? And most of the time, we try. We would like to go together because we enjoyed it, and uh, but and also the establishment was good about telling us, "Hey, uh, something's wrong with the game." You know, eight eight you quarter, need to come look up eight,
0: there. Eight quarters, whatever. or
1: some of it, we Enjoy would even I'm teach working. them something really simple how to fix it, so that you didn't have to run over there up there for every little thing. You right. know, so. Having a good relationship or knowing somebody that would let you put in a game uh, and that would call you or tell you if something broke or whatever the case may be. That's really helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Tim, well, we're getting to the teaser, the thing that we teased at the beginning. And, uh, Tim, obviously, this got a lot of feedback on our Facebook page.
1: I'm going to tease into this one and say, if you want to talk about a game that's going to last about a week on route, (laughs) we're fixing to show you one. There you go. Oh, uh,
0: you think a week?
1: I don't know, man. Um, This thing is just, the way they mounted the readers, it just drives me crazy.
0: Okay, well, let's go ahead and show it here arcade one up teenage mutant ninja turtles cabinet found at gaddy land with swipe card readers installed and tim this came from one of the arcade up modding groups so somebody was driving through there anthony in fact um, i think is his name uh-huh. and he was driving through uh pikeville kentucky okay stopped at gaddy Gattiel- at this gaddy's mr gaddy's and saw this thing in on the game room floor
1: right you can see it's an arcade right there
0: right so he did not post where it was i had to ask him and uh-huh. so once I asked him, he gave up the location and everything. But um, I'm going to read the little thing here. Some pics emerged on February 3rd in one of the Arcade 1-Up modding groups of a Teenage Ninja Turtles Arcade 1-Up cabinet that had been fitted with a card swipe system and put out on location. Uh, photos were taken at a Land location in Pikeville, Kentucky. From what we can tell, they have 50 cents per play on it. I think is what Anthony said. Card swipe units are probably hooked up to the start button for each player. Now, Tim, you have to remember, this is set on free play, technically. Right. Okay, but there's a start button for each player. So, if you took the wires from the start button and hooked them up to the card swipe, technically you should get the same result, right? Right. And so, I think that's what happened here. (coughs) On most Arcade 1-Up cabinets, in order to exit the game, you'd have to press... You'd either have to hold down the one-player button or you'd have to um, hold down like a two-player button to reset it. And so with a card swipe, you'll never get that hold down. So it'll never come out of it, whatever mode it's in. You see what I'm saying? Right. So there's no way to exit the game. Yeah. And if you, um, if you wire around the power-on buttons... Because that's how I power-on button on the control panel on an Arcade 1-Up. So... Probably what they did was they just connected the two wires to the power up button so that you kind of wire around that switch. And there is a volume button. I don't know what they did in that particular case, but they're, I mean, they were pretty smart. I think about how they did it, to be honest. I was going to say, that.
1: there's a little bit of genius in being able to do this.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of ingenuity to getting this to work properly. Now, Tim, this looks like the embed system that you guys have, right? Yes. It how is. much are those card readers?
1: I I'm just think curious. they're about 180 maybe $200 each. Okay. Ours have been under warranty for a pretty good while so, so you don't know, right? So I haven't actually had to buy one in a while, but I'm, I I want to say let's just say for general practice purposes at least $200 each probably at least So 200 dollars 400,
0: 600, 800 bucks. That cabinet sells retail for four. Right. Okay, <laughs> so the, the carriers are worth twice as much as the cabinet itself.
1: And the problem I had the first thing I noticed was where they're mounted. Every kid is going to sit there and lean on those and put their hand on those and that cabinet's not made that sturdy. Right. I was worried about the, I would worry about the control panel falling in from kids standing and in, in, on it. But those now readers the, to me will be gone by Saturday.
0: Yeah. Now the control panel itself, Tim, is attached to the arcade one-ups. Pretty, I mean, with four screws. So, I, I understand,
1: mean, but I'm still saying that it that's what so it's not made to take that type of abuse yeah
0: so what people do in order to keep them anchored down is they'll put weights inside of them okay and i think that would work so if you put like people put like a 50 pound weight inside or a 100 pound weight inside if you do that that will keep it down so that the kids can't if they do lean on it it won't tilt the game but yeah i mean i've got two arcade one-ups sitting right here and yeah if you leaned on these control panels enough they would come down
1: right well they don't stick out like that one does you know that one that definitely goes over the edge, exactly. and that's where I would worry about somebody just purposely even trying to beat it up. Um, so you know, um, and then there's the questions of legality. You know, do honestly, we're not lawyers, and we don't know based on each state. Everything is. I don't know if it's legal. I don't. I, don't, I want to say no, but I don't know. I'm not. I really don't know. Okay. Well, guess what? Yeah, we're going to debate it. All right. So tonight's arcade debate segment. Oh.
0: Here, that, that's us right here. And we're going to get to this, obviously, but I'm going to do this. Is it okay to take a home arcade unit and modify it to be used in a commercial environment, Tim? Right. Now, obviously, we're not really debating the legality of this right? per se.
1: It has to come into play somewhere. It does
0: come into play. We will talk about that. But really, just from a, I guess what would you call this just from our perspective is it okay to take a home arcade unit and modify it to be used in a commercial environment so let's get back to where we were tim here, so we'll do our little reset real quick. Before we
1: reset, let me disclaim that I, we have... I work for Mr. Guys, which is a separate store. Correct. It's like saying... But they're franchises. They're franchises, and we're nowhere no way connected with these guys. Except in name. I even had a hard time trying to get in touch with them. So, yeah, except in name only. I don't know them. Uh, we both...
0: You make the same pizza.
1: Yeah. Probably but so. That's about
0: the only. <laughs> that's about the only right, thing you haven't. Got. We'll leave
1: it at that. It's another franchise. We're a one store franchise.
0: Right, exactly. But there are people who do more than one store too, or whatever the case may be. So, but your they, franchise
1: is not affiliated with this franchise. Right, they didn't call me and consult and ask me if they could do this.
0: Okay, there you go. Okay, well with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and uh, and reset here, and then we'll come right back. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to the arcade debate segment for this evening. Now, Tim, tonight's arcade debate topic is a little bit different than maybe what we've done in the past because we we just found out a news story that was that was kind of broke over the last couple of days here. And just to get everybody caught up to speed, we're going to go go ahead and show this slide here, Tim. But basically, what happened is that somebody took an arcade one-up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cabinet and installed swipe card readers in it and put it out on location. And so, obviously, Tim, this is a little bit of a gray area, I guess you could say, when it comes to using like a home use only product inside of a commercial environment so tonight's question tonight's debate what do you think tim is it okay to use a home use unit or product in a commercial environment so we have an arcade one up designed as a home use product right for people to play at home and someone has modified that product that that product to be played commercially is it okay to do that now tim there may be some legal things going on here that we may not be aware of. We're not really sure how all that works. You can bring that into play a little bit, but just your personal opinion. Is it okay for someone to take a home-use-only unit like this and use it in a commercial environment?
1: Well, since I run a similar style game room, I'll take that side and I'll say, sure it is. Why not? I own an op- I have a pay for an operator's license. I pay my taxes, and if I pay taxes on it and I have the operator's license that says... Uh, my current operator's license says that I can repair games and do anything I want to with them, and so I can charge people for a lot of things. And so if I have the license, and I'm a legal operator, and all my taxes are paid up, and we have the knowledge and know-how to be able to do this, why not? What's the difference in that in making a, or repairing an arcade game cabinet myself Uh, what say you john
0: well here's the deal tim is that arcade one-up units were not made for commercial use obviously if you take them out of the box and you use them they they're made for home use they're on free play you just hit the start button they work this machine has been heavily modified in order to be used in a commercial environment and that's kind of where i take uh, i guess uh, a little bit of a, a stance against this is because Taking something that was developed for a home use environment and putting it into an arcade, I think, for one, it's not made to withstand the rigors of a commercial environment, okay? I mean, and another thing is that, Tim, we talk about this a lot of times with like coffee makers. I mean, you can't just take your coffee maker from, from like your house and use it up at your work a lot of times,
1: right? If my coffee maker at work breaks, I'm bringing the one <laughs> from the house because you want coffee. Well, see, the problem is the games have gotten so expensive, I'm not making the money that I used to, so I have to make make a profit. Sure, it might not last six months, but in that six months, I'll make 10 times what I would have made profit over the real expensive game.
0: Well, my point, Tim, is that in a commercial environment, there may be different safety standards. And so the question is, is that does a home use unit, even though it's been heavily modified, meet the same level of safety that a commercial unit would meet? And I would say no. One of the things you mentioned kind of in our lead up to this topic, Tim, was that you were worried about kids pushing down the control panel and it falling on somebody right well if that happened obviously it's not a commercial unit So would the people argue you were not using a commercial unit in your environment and therefore it was unsafe to operate in that
1: environment. We've all been to Walmart and Sam's and seen them sitting there on display. You think kids don't crawl on them on Walmart? But they're
0: free. They're played at your own risk, right? It's completely free. When you're charging for something, it's a little bit different. And like I said, when you're in an establishment and and you've got a home-use product in your establishment, I think you're taking a lot of risk from a safety standpoint that you may not have with a commercial product that was made for commercial environments. So, I mean, From it, just even outside of the legal perspective of this, the safety standard I think is a little bit different because, again, not made for a commercial environment, made for a home use environment, which is totally different from a safety perspective.
1: Well, you know, back in the day, we had uh, these labs open up all over town where you could go in, and people couldn't afford Xbox or Playstations, but they could go in and play for an hour, and those were home use, but they charge you for the time to play them. This is another way that people come in, they're paying for the time that they get to play. it. they may decide they want to go buy one and have it in their home, this way they could actually afford it. They don't have to go, well, you have to have an operator's license or $4,000, for $400 you could own your own. This would be a great way for Arcade 1UP to even sell more of them.
0: But the thing about it is, is that a lot of times they didn't modify that PlayStation from what it was originally. Here, whoever is operating this has modified this to be used in a way that was not intended by the original creator. The
1: arcade one up here—it was not made. It—that's called pure genius and ingenuity. (laughs)
0: Pure genius.
1: Yeah, you have to have some skills to make this. I call that Southern rigging. Is what I call (laughs) that.
0: But you know, it just depends. I think. I think though, from a safety perspective, and Tim. Um, I've taken a lot I took a lot of safety classes in college have a lot of familiarity with things like ocean. so I do think that like I said you're running a little bit of a risk here by operating something in a commercial environment that is not a commercial product I'll give you the last word though go ahead and finish this up
1: well as an operator we run a risk every day but I understand what you're saying Jonathan I don't like the way that it's mounted and that uh, there's a lot of problems I have with it I think that I would have definitely checked it out I am also concerned about the legality of it I don't know uh, you've got two over here. I, I've thought about it. I've never actually read them. Do they say for home use only? Um, Do they now say, sometimes the logo, know?
0: the arcade one up logo does have home arcade unit or something like that underneath it. But as far as the actual like wording and stuff, it's got a nice little placard on the back that has a lot of the instructions and things. We can read that placard here in a bit to see. But you gotta remember that they're not selling them to go into arcades, Tim. Well, they're a not. lot of
1: arcades have an axe throwing arena and You know, there's, there's not. It's not a. It's, it's set up for safety. But talk about something unsafe. You're not throwing axes at nobody. You're just playing a video game. Most people would be respectful. I think it'd be fine. But what say the audience? I'm curious of what other people think about it.
0: Yeah, so let us know your opinion on this. What do you think? Is it okay to modify a home-use-only unit and use it in a commercial environment? If you're uh, watching this on Facebook or Twitter, then you can chime in in the comment section or send us a reply to this message and let us know. Or if you're just watching this on YouTube, you can also let us know in the comment section below. Again, thank you for joining us for the Arcade Debate segment for this evening, and we'll see you next time. Okay,
1: Tim. Now, yeah, that's good. You know the question. And of course, guys. You know when we're we're arguing, we're just taking different sides. We right. both feel like it probably shouldn't be there. <laughs> exactly. We both looked at that one like, oh my gosh, what are you thinking? Uh-huh. You know. But at the same time, you know what I want to know? What does RK1Up think about it? What do Absolutely. they think? Are they going? Oh, that's cool. Somebody took one of our game. Or are they going? What the heck? Who? Well, and what does Raw really? Thrills think about it? Right. Who actually
0: sells the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Arcade yeah, that edition? I
1: have in my game. You room. actually have, right? So, and we paid a lot of money for it, and it definitely holds up to the abuse. And I'm like you, if somebody gets hurt then how liable are you going to be? That, that's a tough call. It really is. So In, in, in chat, in I here. I was about to say, YouTube Punk
0: says, the only new tangent Ninja Turtles game is uh, Rothrill's, correct. Um, let's see. Yeah, the, the original game is being sold by Arcade 1Up. Let's see. <laughs> YouTube Punk says, guys, we're all friends here. Yeah, we're yeah. friends. <laughs> we're friends. It's okay. Uh, let's see. It's all fun and games until you squash a kid like Ikea. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Tim, we're going to talk about that in the after show. I watched a documentary on the Ikea dresser tip over mm-hmm. stuff have you seen this like nice. ikea made dressers that tip over on kids when you know it doesn't oh, have it the doesn't. right weight to mm-hmm. ratio and stuff like that yeah when one of these things tip up tips over on a kid yeah you need to be careful well
1: you know that's why it's they come good, with anchor kits i it's should why, mention that it's why it's a good thing it's only three feet tall right, right exactly It's <laughs> have to um, hurt a with, baby they
0: come with anchor kits though i mean so you can anchor them to the wall if you need
1: to i'm really i mean i really thought it was pretty Number one, we talked about it before. Yep. We said to make one coin up was possible. Right. We haven't done it yet. But right. somebody that actually did it and put a card reader on it, I thought was kind of cool. Um, you know what? I had a little bit more respect if maybe that would have just been like the birthday room or yes, something. You know, exactly. like its own little mm-hmm. area, not out in the main arcade. Or you just, maybe you just had it for, I thought about we have one and just put it in there for free play. Exactly. And just let the kids who's having sure. a birthday play it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, It'd be interested to see what it what it earns. No
0: conspiracy, no job says. I think you would need a commercial software license on that game, and we think so too. That's why we think it's actually probably illegal.
1: But yeah, um, I'm, from a licensing standpoint, I'm voting that. I'm wondering what the legalities are.
0: Yeah, um, I think it makes the operators look bad. Now, here's the deal: do not compact, contact this Pikeville, Kentucky location and cuss them out <laughs> right, or yeah. say anything bad about them. Don't call them at all. Yeah. Okay, because look, it's they can. I mean. They they did well, what they wanted to do. They'll live with the consequences of that. I, underst- okay? I understand that-
1: though, from an operator standpoint, how stuff has gotten so expensive. If I can have a game and only invest for it, won't take long to make four hundred dollars. Exactly. It may take me. Uh, you know, I'm still probably playing for my Halo game, and your maybe your turtles too. Yeah, maybe I probably it probably paid for itself over a year, but it right. bet it, I bet it took the full year. Right. So you know, those are some things to look at.
0: Let's see what else we got here. Um, I can't imagine four-player cabs. Yeah, they have the four-player cabs for the arcade one-ups. They're not bad. Uh, seems like you bought the arcade, you're playing it legally, and it's not like you're streaming illegally on a ROM. And if you have a business license to charge for arcades, seems legal. That's from the Rexer show.
1: It's... It's a gray, like you said, a, a really gray area. Yep. And and it may take a court case or something to decide, and they may can change it. They may say, well, you know, it's your place. Do what you want to do. Exactly. Uh, but but I would, something in my gut kind of says, not, this is not right. Right, exactly. Maybe it's not. And I doubt Arcade 1-Up is very thrilled about it. I would I would imagine so. I mean, because in a way,
0: it kind of undercuts their their home-use-only argument. And right. may prevent them from getting licensors in the future. Right. You know, if, if people are thinking they're going to put them out on route.
1: Now, would this have... Let, let me throw this question to the group and to you, John. Um, had they went about and got made a little sturdier, more commercial unit, uh, would then would you have a problem with it? Because... I think, I honestly think they have a market for that at Chuck E. Cheese. Maybe. I think, because they're little. Right. And they're kid size. You know, there was a lot of games in, at Chuck E. Cheese that for a while there that we were buying these little cabinets, and they were getting them for like nine, eight, or $900 out of China and stuff. Sure. And you know what? They didn't last very long, but gosh, do you know how many? It took two Saturdays and they paid for their sales. Sure. Um, Tim, we...
0: Uh, Jack 64 was, was in the chat while we were doing our debate, okay. and I didn't get to his question. question. He said, hey guys, two of my cabs, WrestleMania and Sega Strike Fighter, made a terribly loud electrical buzzing noise when I turned on. There was a burnt smell in the air afterwards. I think I remember one of your videos mentioning a flyback issue, or could it be something else? Thanks for the show. You guys helped me take the leap into my new hobby. Uh-huh. So, Tim, I mean, that's the thing about like, that burnt smell like we were talking about. Flyback is definitely possible, okay, but it could be anything.
1: Right. Okay, it so could that's be what, That's what I said I would do. I would unplug. If First, if you can't find it, you have physically smelled without the game on, you've looked with a flashlight, you can't find anything burnt. The first thing I would do is unplug the board and the monitor and just see if it powers up. Like, you've got voltage, everything's good there. The next thing I would do would be to plug in the board and see if it plays blind. Right. Then at that point, you know it's something in my monitor. It probably is a flyback or but something. But he, here's the deal. He, he, says got a hum. he
0: says he had two games. He says he has the two games, and it sounds like they were both doing it. Yeah. So that sounds like we got a power surge, maybe power supplies.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Right, because, I mean, you may... If that's, you got... why, that's why I would unplug everything else, because you don't want to do any damage. Exactly. But then read the power supply. They don't have any power. You got some kind of weird... Uh, if you lived in Texas, it was a hot day, you know, or something. It just... You get those power surges and they can do a lot of damage. Um, right. I mean, the fact that both of them are doing it, I wouldn't
0: think flyback. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I would think power supply.
1: Right. I and, mean, I and would that's think it got where, that's where I would wonder were they plugged into the same electrical outlet? These are questions I would ask because maybe you got a bad uh, grounding issue or something that caused that you might have an electrician come and take a look at it because it's, it's very rare that something would zap two games unless you got hit by lightning unless you got hit by lightning i was
0: about to say or you got a huge power surge i mean it might not be lightning could have been something else but i mean those are the things that can cause that um jack says sadly all my repairs on hold until i find a site that ships to um, puerto rico i guess for a reasonable price most sites um that have great prices on parts just don't ship them here and i can see that it's just hard to get stuff over there
1: it really is and
0: so it's more about a charge that they incur for shipping it to you you know what I'm saying? It's, I mean, mm-hmm. if they could ship it to you cheaper, they would. But the problem is that their shipping cost is expensive. And so, therefore, they have to pass it on to you. Right. And that's just unfortunate. We've
1: run into that shipping DVDs out overseas. Yep. Some of mm-hmm. them are really expensive. Absolutely. Some are cheap. <laughs> yep. Some are like, wow, it's is like shipping to my neighbor, but mm-hmm. others aren't. I'm used
0: to paying a bit extra for shipping, but it's, but some places, mostly FedEx users, have insane shipping costs. Yeah, and it just depends on the carrier because some right. carriers ship uh, ship to Puerto Rico for cheaper than others. So, and you might find
1: carrier. out who your cheaper carriers and ask them. Look, I know you normally ship FedEx. Would you mind shipping this one UPS because it's a lot cheaper or US Mail? Yeah,
0: USPS. So absolutely,
1: USPS is usually cheapest international. From what I found,
0: Uh, Jack says my main issue with one-up cabs is that two adults just don't fit side by side. Can't imagine four-player cabs. It's not bad. I played um, two adults sitting side by side on the Street Fighter. Tim, you haven't been here since I put together the Street Fighter Two.
1: Oh, so I have a
0: Street Fighter Two one. I put it together, and you weren't uh, you weren't here. Wow, or it wasn't together last time you were here. Good job. Um, And I've got the um, plexiglass covers on them too. You'll notice.
1: I did notice that.
0: So, um, but the Street Fighter plays pretty decently for what i paid for it and uh, you can get two people side by side sitting on little like cocktail style stools pretty easily i like your stool yeah Mm -hmm. so there you go uh it's not as bad as you think i promise so uh let's see okay what's the actual legality and tim this is a great question this is from michael bloom what's the actual legality of a 60-in-1 hooked up to a coin mech i've just seen a lot and i just wondered technically illegal right um so as you might know, we have a relationship with Holland Computers, who used to sell the 60 one boards. Um, Holland Computers is a supplier for Namco, and when Namco found out they were selling the 60 one boards, Namco told them to stop because right. it is, I mean, again, unlicensed, which means Namco does not license any of the games on the 60 one board. Therefore, it is illegal. So it is illegal to have one out on route, but that doesn't stop people from doing
1: it. We, right? might, we could say this, that we said the word... P-A-C-M-A-N. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a video, and we were contacted and asked to take it out and right. just say, a uh, classic game Correct. or something because we did not have the right to put that in our video.
0: Right. They It was for a specific rep- or specific, you know, a mod or repair or something, and we took it out. <clears throat> and so, things like that happened because of licensing. But we
1: thought it was cool because we got to talk to somebody from Namco. There you go. <laughs> so,
0: things like that happened, though, guys, and, you know, I mean, we're not the rights holders, and right. sixty and one is an illegal board, and so technically, you should not have them out on route. Are they out on route?
1: Yes. Yes. And <laughs> so. they come after you. If they come after you one day, you can, you know, I, Namco a,
0: has prosecuted companies for selling multi-game sixty and one cabinets. Right. But, not many, but not. But, they but have I gone haven't gone heard selling.
1: of them going after anybody having one on route. C- correct. They've gone after sellers. I think that would come. Especially if you bought it at an auction or something, you could always play stupid. Right. I don't know. I bought it. Or exactly. I bought it at... I thought it was legal. I bought it. Right. And came on there. Well, they didn't tell me it was illegal. You know? Exactly. You could always kind of play the stupid But when you're an person. operator,
0: it's kind of hard to play the stupid card. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But anyway, let's see what else we have here. Um, Josh B., I always assumed that fell into the camp of it's only legal if someone bothers to sue you. That's basically mm-hmm. what it falls into. so. if I somebody so. bothers to sue you. Namco has gone after multi... Multi-K builders who have used 60 and one. I
1: wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody big like Chuck E. Cheese or Dave & Buster's or somebody big like that that they probably would tell them to take it out.
0: Yeah, but they don't do that. Big operators don't do that. Yeah, right. They, they buy games legally. Yeah. So
1: In fact, we talked about building one and I said, it's just not legal. We're going to have to get a legal board. Exactly. You know? So you have to get. I wouldn't mind building a game. It's just gonna to have to have a legal board in it. So there's a lot of the
0: legal Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, 20th anniversary boards floating around. You can get those. Um, <laughs> they're more expensive than a 60 in one board because they're fully licensed. So, but um, and Tim, you have the Pac-Man Party or Pac-Man Pixel Bash. Those are actual boards that Namco makes. The problem is, is that Namco won't just sell you the board. Right. And they they want you to buy the whole cabinet. And so, um, in a way, they're kind of creating the problem, in my right. opinion. If if you don't want people using the 16 one board, sell a viable alternative. I'm and not that, saying that viable alternative has to be cheap. Right. I'm just saying offer up a board for sale. Even if it's a $400 board, you can say, look, we have a board out there that's available as an alternative to the 61. It's $400, and you can pay that, or you can fork over a huge fee when we see well that's always
1: (laughs) been my argument let's say i have a 57 chevy and i reproduce the hood ornament and chevy comes after me and says you don't have the right to do that and i say okay i take it off i would like to purchase one please and they go well we don't have any of those in stock anymore for sale i'm like okay well then i'm putting mine back on there unless you can offer it for sale you can't really complain that I'm building it and so. offering
0: and offering a full cabinet to me is not the same as offering just the board,
1: right? Because Especially, there's a lot of
0: people who have just cabinets that would love to have. a license. when, fully it, the
1: when in the past, you can prove that they've sold millions of boards,
0: exactly. So until
1: good. recently, <laughs> um,
0: Jason says you have to own an original PCB if you have an, If you use an emulator, sixty and one set to one game in a cab on location that is correct so you can technically use a 61 board as long as you have the the PCBs right. for each game so your,
1: your pcb goes out we we used the same justification a long time ago we did have a four in one on route but we had all four pcbs correct so it was like if we thought if anybody, and nobody ever complained or anything but we thought if anybody ever said anything it was the fact that we had four busted PCBs that didn't work, so that's why we didn't have a Gallagher or we didn't have a Pac-Man in there or we didn't have a Donkey Kong. But at the same time, you know, um, that was our justification. We do have all four boards.
0: Exactly. So if you have the boards, it is technically legal in a way for you to do that.
1: And that was many years ago. Right. Many, so many, I mean, many.
0: <laughs> But for the most part, we know that the vast majority of people buying 60-in-1 boards mm-hmm. do not have the PCBs right.
1: that they're using. So. Notice I said 4-in-1 if that tells you how old, it, how long say, ago. You know, yeah. You know. that dated it right there
0: okay let us continue with the rest of the discussion here tim and the next little news item we have here is ready guest one atari themed hotel deal punctuates the gaming pioneers turnaround yeah fortune is reporting that atari has signed a partnership that will result in several atari themed hotels being built around the united states the video game-themed hotels will level up hotel entertainment with immersive experiences for every age and gaming ability and will feature the latest in virtual augmented reality. You like my uh, radio announcer voice there? Um, Atari said, The Phoenix Hotel is expected to open in two years. More locations are planned for Chicago, Denver, Seattle, San Francisco, San Jose, and Austin. (coughs) Excuse me. So, Tim, what do you think about the Atari-themed hotels?
1: I thought uh, first I told my wife hold off on the honeymoon or the you know ten year anniversary honeymoon. When it gets built, I would love to go. Um, I definitely would want to stay in one if possible. But the fact that it's going to be a lot of newer games, uh, a lot of virtual reality. I was, but hopefully there'll still be some uh, memorabilia and shouts out to the past. So you know I'm I'm excited a little bit about it, but then also going well. But and then if it's just it's not. It's going to have to meet what I would want to see or I'm not going to be interested. So, till they build one and we can actually see inside one. Uh, just like eating at the Hard Rock Cafe, I always love to go. Sure. Because a lot of memorabilia and stuff on the walls and things. I'm like, oh, it was Mick Jagger's guitar or that was in this movie or whatever. I think that would be cool if they kind of decorate and do it like that. I don't have a problem with the newer stuff. I just, when you think of Atari, and the picture is cool, you know, and so... I think it's a great idea. I think that there's a lot of people... Uh, that would would visit that and now I'll put it back up here that, how cool would it be to have a gaming convention in that sure
0: and maybe that's what their whole thought is there's been a lot of gaming
1: conventions kind of
0: start up recently and maybe this is what these hotels will be designed for something like that but um, I think it's cool too I'm just worried it just doesn't seem like Atari's done anything good in the last 20 years for the exactly. most part except so, for when they're name and stuff
1: or, or saying they're going to do something and then not going through with it <clears throat> just saying nothing in particular nothing, <laughs> no, nothing in particular but maybe you know there are a lot lot of talk and not much action so that's why i said i'm gonna to have to wait and see it built see what it looks like then but you, you know for a fact that if we were in town we had the choice and it was comparable to another hotel we definitely would want to stay absolutely. there absolutely
0: so it is cool i like it it's neat so there you go <laughs> michael blimp says that will exist before the vcs yes and he's probably correct. So. Okay, Tim. Now, our last news item here is the II Arcade. Now, um, Tim, during CES, you know, last live show we covered the announcements from Arcade 1-Up and and from Toy Shock and these other companies, and we want to thank the Rexer show again for getting us all those great pictures. But one of the things we kind of skipped out on was the II Arcade. So the II Arcade is a retro cabinet for modern games and classics alike. And, Tim, this is kind of similar to the Arcade 1-Up. In fact, I think it's even a similar size to the Mm -hmm. Arcade 1-Up. The difference is that this is going to run an Android operating system with an app store. Okay. So you'll be able to download games. Because, you know, I mean, not everybody has room for, you know, four or five Arcade 1-Ups even. But if you could buy one cabinet, buy the games on their store, then, then you could have one cabinet that had...
1: Multiple the games, games you wanted
0: to play, right? Exactly. You know, my twelve and one's nice, but it doesn't play everything I want to play, right? right. And so that's what it comes down to.
1: You, you bought it because it had about four games, the other, and then you're like, "Well, the uh, and Then it's like, "Okay, I grew up in the '80s. I never even heard of this game." Well, yeah, I was about so to say, like, you and me Man. have
0: played a lot of these, but like right. Quantum, I love Quantum, but it is almost unplayable on that trackball. Just saying. Right. <laughs> I mean, and you, I love Quantum. Right. Like it's great, but uh, on that trackball, it doesn't work very well so um and, and you remember quantum tim Yes. it's a tough game to play yeah. anyway but you really have to have a nice trackball to play quantum and it just doesn't play very well in there but anyway that's getting off topic another home arcade cabinet that was debuted at ces this year is called the ii arcade the ii arcade is an arcade cabinet with an app store that you can use to buy and download fully licensed games it runs a version of android that's been optimized for gaming The cabinet will be similarly sized to the Arcade 1-Up three-quarter scale cabinets and will have optional stand that you can purchase to put it near the height of a full-size game. Pricing has not been announced at this time, but you can visit their website at iircade.com.
1: We should go to their website and say, look, if you'll commercial these to use, I can guarantee you can get it in Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) There you go. Maybe. Maybe that's all it would take, because if you're buying the games off the line, you have to purchase the games that you want. Sure. Uh, make it a commercial playable unit. Maybe they, maybe we have a good idea for them.
0: Again, though, we don't know if the license deals that they're cutting right now are for, are commercial, for commercial use. use. We All know right. that they've got a license. The IRK people already said they have a license for Double Dragon. That's okay. like one of the first games they've licensed. But they haven't really licensed anything outside of that at this point. So we don't know if they're going like what they're going to do. But Tim, the thing is, is that when they're approaching these companies about licensing, a lot of times they're saying. Um, we're, this is a home use product, right? And so, like a lot of times, when you when a company knows it's a commercial product, the license goes up. Mm-hmm. And so that is something. If they're going to do that, I think they'd have to negotiate a commercial license.
1: And maybe they should look into that.
0: Maybe. So, anyway, so it, let us know what your thoughts are about Atari hotels <laughs> and the i arcade or anything like that. Uh, we'd love to hear your input either in the comments section or if you're in the live chat tonight, you're more than welcome to put it there as well. Um, Tim kind of slow news month as a whole in January and I think oh. just because we're coming off CES we already kind of covered yeah. all the exciting stuff coming out this year and so this is kind of the leftover from what we had in CES but um, still not bad we had some good stuff in there yeah so um, now Josh says this is a neat concept and I wouldn't rule out ever buying one but I just really like that looming and close feel of an old full-size cab and I think sure. most people do the problem is that They're not worried. everybody has the They're space worried. for a full-size cabinet now uh, Tim, we have space here, but not everybody has the amount of space that we have, and well, so I yeah. would
1: be one in particular. I used to have a shop bigger than this; when we yep. had full of games. Now I'm very limited on my space. Uh, that'll change eventually, but right now I don't have a lot of space, so it might be ideal for my situation.
0: Absolutely. So, Michael Bloom says, "Love my Killer Instinct two. Turn main cabinet, blows the one up, and similars out of the water. No comparison. The thing is, is that you have to have technical knowledge in order to set that type of." type of system up and a lot of people don't the arcade right. one up fills a huge void for people who are not technically savvy enough to try to build their main cabinet or just don't have the time to do it um, because setting up building a really nice main setup takes some time mm-hmm. it really does it takes a little bit of time so an arcade one up cuts the time you just you build it it's done and it works and it works really good i agree i mean so i mean there's no like i said i mean i think for what it is i mean it's hard it's hard to beat it Michael Bloom says, plus I got way less money in it. I got the cab for 20 bucks. Well, there you go. Well, if you can find a $20 cab, then that's a good deal, too. So, yeah. But um, I think Arcade 1-Ups obviously have a market, Tim, at this point. The question is, is that all the other things that are coming up, do they have a market? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. And um, <clears throat> are y'all... St- okay. Uh, Jason is asking, are we still going to TPF this year? Um, we'll see. Yeah so um it really depends tim's work schedule is kind of crazy and so is my schedule usually and so if we go we'll probably just go for saturday probably. so we'll go uh, early in the morning on saturday we'll come back late that night just make it a one day thing but um but we may we may not i think my wife may have something to do that saturday so it may just depend on how that all shakes out but um we're gonna try we really want to go to tpf and play some of the new stuff stranger well, things is on the list definitely
1: so. do uh, t- a time to go
0: absolutely um, no conspiracy, no jobs. Consumer license versus commercial license. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. We don't know how these companies like Arcade Went up are licensing these games if they're being licensed for commercial use, but we'd imagine it's
1: not. Right, and they may not care what you do with it as long as you bought it. Sure. But at the same time, the people that sell them the license when they find out they're going in arcades may turn around and tell them, look, if you don't say something to them, we're going to up your license fee.
0: Right. Okay, Tim, so we already, I think we're caught up now. We have one more story here that I want to bring up. And, Tim, this thing not get a lot of play on Facebook, but, man, Twitter, this blew up. Mm. Okay, like, I mean, we probably got, golly, like 30 or 40 retweets on this and, like, 80 likes wow. on Twitter, which is high for us. And um, it, it's a story that's really pretty cool. These pinball wizards learn career, career skills by fixing arcade games as part of Henry County Career Academy program. And this is from the Martinsville Bulletin. The high school students in Henry County, Virginia are learning how to repair and restore classic arcade games thanks to an electronics class that teaches real world career skills. The school spokesperson, Monica Hatchett, said they could learn these skills on circuit boards, but this is a lot more fun. And Tim, I don't know if she knew, like, what she said there kind of doesn't make sense. These are circuit boards. You know, I mean, maybe she meant like test boards or something, but anyway. Uh, Class teacher Jerry Bird agreed. The video game repair covers, a, or video game repair covers a lot of competencies in a creative way. It sparks the students' interest, he said. So, Tim, this is really cool—an actual school offering arcade repair as a vocational program.
1: And I'm thinking. Class teacher Jerry Bird getting a lot of his games fixed for free. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> so apparently, <laughs> or he doesn't
1: have time. He's like, so
0: apparently what he does is he buys the games, they fix them, they sell them, and the money goes back into the program.
1: We have a school here in Tyler that I pitched that idea for, and they loved it. They would really love to build like a um, a, a sixty and one or something, and then raffle it off. Sure, and uh, that that still probably eventually will happen. But I think um,
0: I think. He's right in that people don't realize how many competencies go into building an arcade cabinet. Cabinetry, woodworking, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, painting, right? You gotta paint the cabinets. But along with that, not just cabinet building. But circuit boards, circuit right. board repair, Wire, uh, wiring, the electrical. exactly, mm. electrical. So I mean, and then um, like when you're building the cabinet, you got to route it, put the T molding on it, right? The
1: st- the, the, the artwork, the, the stickers, artwork, the lighting, exactly. Yeah. So
0: I mean, there's so many different competencies that go into arcade building and repair that it really makes you a very well-rounded you know um what would you say builder if you will um to have all these skills because working with circuit boards tim that helps you in hvac repair for instance right um doing cabinetry helps with actual wordworking things so if you're building cabinets for a company or if you're um like like let's say kitchen cabinets you see so the same things that you'd use to build a table or something else just same kind of skills that you'd use in arcade repair to build a cabinet, and so um, yeah. it kind of helps you in a lot of different areas working with arcade games. Not just electrical, like people a
1: couple years ago, I was on a job interview and it was to fix commercial printers. A lot of them have a video screen, a lot of stuff. And he goes, "Well, I don't know how arcade repair and uh, maintenance would convert over." And I said, "Well, let me tell you something. I know how to do this, this, and this, and this. We do circuit board repairs." If that monitor goes out, we fix it. We don't just throw it out. Sure. And he was very impressed. He was like, wow, that really, you could do a lot of stuff with that. He said, there's probably nothing in this job that you haven't done yet. And right. I'm like, yeah, you know, so it really does help. Uh, so the more you watch, the more you know, the the better off you will be. But if nothing else, it'll give you the um, confidence to try a lot of things at home and fix and replace lights. And when ballasts go out, you're not, you know, you don't. You just you learn how to do that kind of stuff.
0: Exactly. So it gives you a lot of different skills in a lot of different areas. And the Rexer Show agrees. He says, great point, guys. A lot of facets involved in building. Most people have one or two but can't do them all. Exactly. So some people may have cabinetry. They can, they're can really good woodworkers. They can do all the woodworking. Some people may have electrical. They can do all the wiring. They can do all the circuit board repair. But you really have to have both to build a cabinet.
1: Yeah, you, you don't know how many. Ever, everybody's been watching the live show for a while. Guys will start off. I'm really good at elect. I'm an electrician, but I have no idea how to do this. Circuit board repair. Right. right. Or, you know, or I'm very good at this part, uh carpentry and stuff, but I have no idea. It was kind of how we met, Jonathan. I was really good at the hardware end, but I couldn't do the software end. Sure. And so we have learned and taught each other uh, very a lot through that. Absolutely. Over the years. Uh, Eric says,
0: I enjoy the live shows. And remember the electrical bill cost on the arcade cabinet video from Tim. That video was very informative. A lot of folks. Uh, To a lot of folks, thank you, sir. So, remember when we broke down the electrical um, usage of an arcade game? Yeah, because
1: a lot of people were in fear that if I have all these games, my electric bill is going to triple, right? And what we proved was it's not that expensive, and you're not running them 16 hours a day, right? But they don't really pull a lot of amps anyway, so and about how much you could have on each one. So, uh, that's been a long time ago since we shot that video. So, thank you for mentioning that. It's always a a fun video when I go back and look at it or think about it.
0: Well, you see, and here's the thing, Tim, is that one of the most inefficient things you can do with electricity is heat, which right. is why toasters and hair dryers right. take, Microwaves. Up, exactly, take up way more than arcade games, right? Right. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize that whenever they do it. Vacuum cleaners, for instance, also pull a lot of amps, right? Yeah. I mean, so anything that you turn on and your lights dim, pulls a lot of amps, right? You
1: know, when we were in Europe, we kept having to buy adapters, right? right. And every time my wife would go to dry her hair, um, it would blow it. It would, like, just fry it. And she's like, what's the deal? I said, well, you're pulling so many amps. It's probably, ours are probably higher amps. So we ended up having to buy a European hair dryer that would just plug in because it was a lot less amps. And it really, even with the adapters, and the adapters were rated pretty high, they would do great for, like, charging cell phones and converting stuff like that. But every time she'd plug her hair dryer in, we went through three of them like that, you know, just smoke, oh, it was awful. Right. So heat is always the most inefficient use of electricity and so
0: um those things will pull way more than arcade cabinets. Arcade cabinets, I mean, basically just a TV with, I mean, you know, there's really not a whole lot more to it than that. I mean, <laughs> you got a circuit board in there, but I mean, how many amps does a little circuit, there's a little power supply and a circuit board, you know, right. hardly any. Most so.
1: power supplies are 15 10 amps. Exactly. So that's so why it, and not they're much. not pulling
0: near, they're not pulling
1: that. Nowhere near no, that. No,
0: exactly. They're not pulling that because of the demand. About so. 2 or 3. That's exactly. what we proved in the three? video. Exactly. <laughs> So um Josh says that's what it's all about learning new things refining skills and leveling up and playing a lot of games. Why what do we say here at arcade repair system? Fix, fix the game, you play, play the, the game. game. So you got to play it. Right. So that's the whole point of fixing it. People forget. Danny says I'm good at everything on an arcade but circuit board repair but want to get better at that. Circuit board repair is tough because you really need to have um the right equipment for that. You need yeah. a oscilloscope really to uh to do most like level repairs now you can do a lot of stuff with a logic probe tim and i know you we we've talked forever about doing a video on a logic probe we probably need to do that um you can do a lot of stuff with a logic probe and just you know going through and making sure and you know we talked about loose solder joints cold solder joints causing a lot of problems on games a lot so of it's just
1: practice too like i said going to a yard sale buying an old, old vcr or old something taking it apart and just practicing it on a 50 cent board or something you don't care about until right. you get good at it
0: Exactly. So I mean, it takes takes a lot of a lot of time to get good at it. Um, people who are good at it, though, um, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going to throw a shout out to Raymond at arcadecomponents.com. Raymond has a lot of videos that you can watch that talk about some of the things that he does. He will also do like a beginner oscilloscope class for people in the Dallas area sometimes where he'll kind of walk you through how to use one. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, great resources out there. Um, If you have a college that offers like a digital systems class Mm -hmm. or electronics class, highly recommend that. It's a great way to get started. There's also several books we have on our website about introduction to electronics that will help you a lot with that as well. So if you're more of a book, learner you can do that if you're a hands-on learner look up a vocational program at like a local college i know that um our our junior college here does offer some of those classes and like just basic board level repair and so if you're into that maybe a way to go about it so there you go um let's see i think we're caught up okay and i think we're done so let us go ahead and throw a reminder now tim i should say that um i going to say this uh, reminder here but paul geray actually threw a video and i didn't get it into into the live show outline i just totally forgot about it but guys if you're not watching paul's videos what paul does is he fixes monitors Mm -hmm. and what he does for every single person who sends him a chassis is he films the repair wow so he you know know exactly what paul fixed on your chassis okay that's awesome so if you're not checking out his videos you should be going and viewing them because they he has the model and what it is doing that is the description of the video His videos are awesome. You should be checking them out. I did not get the video that he sent. I appreciate you letting us know that we could use it. I didn't get it on here, but um, you should check out Paul Dre's videos. I'm going to put a link down in the show description here in a little bit so you guys can check those out, but he's got some excellent monitor repair videos. If you're looking at monitor repair, you definitely need to check out his videos, but let me go ahead, Tim, and get this out of the way real quick. We do want your arcade-related videos. So if you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're always looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send your link, a link of your video to questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com. Our staff will review it. If you like it, we'll use it during one of our live show ep- episodes. Make sure you put a plug-in for your channel so that people will know where to find you. We look forward to your submissions. So great stuff there, Tim, as always. Like I said, Paul sent in his um, Paul Juret okay sent in his uh his video and we didn't get on the outline but you should check out his channel anyway and we'll link to it in the uh, show description here and i didn't put the links up for this episode tim kind of got behind okay um but i will be putting those up shortly so when we do you'll find it there and then tim of course we have our contact information Tim, I think everybody knows by now, but we'll throw it back out here to get in touch with us. The best way is questions at repairtips.com. Send us an email, questions at repairtips.com. If you put a live show on the subject, you'll get it mentioned on the show. And Tim, we just kind of pick questions, um, just the ones that we get every month uh, from the big list. And sometimes we, just, we, we email them uh, back. Sometimes we cover them on the show. So, I mean, just because your question didn't make it on the show doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't answered or whatever the case may be. So, um, again, questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com to send a message to us. We also have our YouTube page, which you're on right now, unless you're listening to this on the podcast. But you can find our YouTube page at YouTube.ArcadeRepairTips.com, YouTube.ArcadeRepairTips.com. And comments and um, follow-ups from the last live show, will be covered on the next episode, Tim. We had two follow-ups on this one from uh, Mm -hmm. people who sent us in questions last time, and it's always good to get those in there. So you will see comments and follow-ups from The Last live Show on the next episode. Again, com for that. And then we have our podcast email, Tim. And we should mention that we still have the podcast going. And I, and I haven't talked to Eric. I've been so busy. He, he tried to call me the other day, and I sent him back a message on Facebook. But um, it sounds like they're going to be doing a question-answer podcast at some at some point in the future. So um, when they do, we'll... Um, We'll update you guys. We'll let you know. But again, that's Eric and Rusty who do that podcast, Tim. And you can send them a message at podcast Podcast at podcast.arcaderepairtips.com, podcast.arcaderepairtips.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com and Stitcher at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, we're also on Spotify, so you can find us at arcaderepairtips.com. Do a search on Spotify. You'll find us there. Tim, somebody left a review on the iTunes page. A very nice five-star review for the podcast this month. So we want to throw a shout-out to whoever that was. I can't remember the username at the moment, but thank you for leaving a great review. And if you enjoy what you're listening to on, uh, on this podcast, if you're listening to it that way, make sure you leave a review there and let us know. And then we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and we want to thank Mark and Louie for the wonderful work that they do. They are posting all sorts of great information. And, uh, you know, obviously, Tim, all that stuff also gets posted on our Twitter feed and that's at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. And like I mentioned, Tim, it's weird because sometimes things from, so, they'll catch fire on the Twitter page and not on the YouTube page or vice right. versa. And so um, it's nice that we have it kind of cross-posted because, you know, it's just it's it seems like it's different audiences in both places. So you never know who's going to pick up on what which uh which one's going to be more popular for a particular story or whatever the case may be. But again, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com and you can check out our social media pages. Highly recommend that so that way you can um that way you can keep in touch with us between shows. So, Tim I think that about does it for the uh, live show. We're about to come up to the after show. For those of you guys who are listening on the podcast, if you want to view the after show, you'll need to go to YouTube to view that. But Tim, the after show is basically an anything goes show where we talk about all sorts of different things. And what do we have for the after show
1: on this episode? Well, we're going to talk about a football game that happened last week. Was there a football game? There was a football game. Are you sure? Uh, Yeah. Okay. At least I know there was a burlesque show uh, during the halftime. Oh,
0: okay. I understand. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Okay. I do remember now when (laughs) you say it uh, like that
1: so we're talking about some shows and tv uh tv shows and movies that we've been watching and who knows what else
0: exactly we'll just throw it all out there now arcade questions we'll also be
1: answering more questions i was about to
0: say arcade questions are always welcome during the after show as well but it's more of an anything goes topically uh type of show so if you're listening to this on the podcast and you want to check that out make sure you check out the live stream on youtube for this episode to hear more about that and i think that we're done so uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight and for uh, being here for the live show we want to thank all the people who made donations tonight. Tim, we want to thank, thank YouTube you. Punk and uh, Josh, and we also want to thank. Um, let's see, I got to go back through my little thing here just to make sure we get get everybody. Uh, Waste uh, Wasteland Warrior, right? Wasteland Warrior, uh-huh. Josh, and um, YouTube Punk. Thank you guys so much for the donations tonight. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys all for being here. That's awesome. We love having you guys here, and as always, it's just a pleasure and uh, and just our great. Um, our great, uh, what what am I trying to say here, Tim? Just uh, a it's great a real, feeling to yeah. have you guys all here. It's a privilege. Exactly. It's a privilege. So, But we want to thank you guys again for watching tonight. And I think at this point, we're going to go ahead and go off. And we'll see you in the after show if you stay tuned. But if not, thank you for joining us. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the game. game. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the after show. Or we'll see you for the live show next month. Thanks again.
1: you for watching this episode of the arcade repair tips live show all of our past episodes are available on our website at arcaderepairtips.com or on our youtube page this show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin operated machines yourself the preceding program is of arcade entertainment production